Substack to the max. It's just like this is where I can actually put out yeah. work that because it's not like like I like this because this is the appropriate place for us to talk about sort of yeah. like the, the trends and tweets of the day because for some reason Anna Kasparian's decided to become the next J.K. Rowling, which you know all yeah fun, all fun and games right. Let me scan for a minute. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Let me. Oh, sorry. I'm retweeting everything. Yeah, we are live. Actually, we there are live. Cinny uh, is asking us if we're going to talk about washing chicken and detergent today. And oh I, God, no! Thank God, we're no. not talking about. No, the we're not talking movies. about <laughs> that trend or uh, the you know ultra strong extra strength cornstarch that certain demographics like to munch on. That's not the plan mm. for our situation today. Um, instead, I, I decided to make Geo suffer. Yeah, and the ways oh, that man. we have suffered with movies in the past. Uh, uh, but I no, actually I... didn't suffer as much as I thought I would. They're pretty, like, especially you've got mail. I was like, I was like dying at the end. Um, I wanted. I was, to, yeah. I was laughing my ass off the whole way through um, Sleepless in Seattle because I know what uh, I know what it's based off of. It's based off an affair to remember. I get that this is inspired, and they have it play throughout the whole bloody uh, movie. But it's just like. Mm, Mm. to yeah. me i just feel like you know if you were to read you can't read well you could remake this film today and it would be about some like middle-aged man on twitter that you know is complaining about is like his wife is gone and then like you know his son goes on like a, a youtube therapy show and it like gets millions <laughs> of views and you know some crazy fem cell on the other side of the country is like i need to be with him but you yeah. know, then he, then she stabs him at the end of it on top of the Empire State Building because it, it can't ever be too good for reality. <laughs> these, yeah, I was gonna say these movies would never exist nowadays. That's well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But anyways, um, no, no, sorry, I'm very sorry. I just we're not camming today, just like temporarily camming. So, um, anyways, uh, we wanted to give a shout out to see. But before that, I was gonna say I think the reason that Anna Kasparian was so offended was uh probably because to be known as a as a a uterus haver what's the term person with uterus per, yeah or or persons who can give birth i feel like any sort of natalism would instinctively trigger anna kasparian so therefore like to be like pegged as like having a uterus would not just remind her of the wall but would also remind her of like the fact that she's advocated for like um, the most exterminationist politics around reproduction ever. So that probably offended her deeply. That's probably why she hates the term uterus do- haver. So I, I think she probably, probably also hates it because remi- remember back in 2016 or yeah, it was 2016 before the election, how she's talking about like Trump supporters and she's just adamantly on her high horse talking about how she's better than these people. The, the yeah. viewers of the young Turks are better than those people. And we're they, just and, better and, than you people. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of the few great bits from like 2016, 2015 era Sargon was just the young Turks compilation shit. And all of a sudden, <laughs> right. You know, they found there's a group of people, uh, a far more disgusting class of people that has come out of the woodwork that can one up them. That, you yeah. know, if you aren't on board with being called a uterus having person, you're no better than, you know, those evil Republicans. You're no better than the Chuds. Exactly. You're no, you know, and all of a sudden, right. You've got the Carrie trending Lake. On Twitter. Yeah. They're trending on Twitter is the young turfs and Carrie Lake of Arizona is like a broken clocks, right. Twice a day. And now Anna's in that awkward position where, 
she doesn't want to be like jk rowling she just wants <laughs> to be a you know she but she is she wants to just be she's, seen as well, a woman she's but, jk now yeah she's so. jk now you know there you go it's a total disaster is she married yeah i think is she married to chunk Yu-Gi-Oh? i have no idea if they're if they're married i'm gonna I think they're married up. or like some some other anna kasparian an american commentator oh man that might be laugh no, nope, yeah. spouse is Christian Lopez, married in 2015. Oh, I think they were dating before, back in the day or something. So, I mean, that was always the rumor. I wonder what Hassan thinks of uh, the Young Turfs now. Cause, oh, um, boy. You know, it's funny. You know what's funny? I was watching this Turkey Tom video. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, he, there was this clip where he was, like, trying to, like, suck Idobs, uh, suck Idobs off. And, uh... He's like, you know, you were like kind of like uh, more to the center left compared to like more of the, the right wing commentary channels like Keemstar and Rice Gum and Leafy. I'm like, what universe do you have to live in to where you think like someone like Rice Gum and Keemstar or like I could understand like the fact that like Leafy was edgy and would insult people. I can understand like he had like a not a right wing, but he had like sort of a mind chud audience but in what universe would you consider um keemstar why because keemstar dropped the hard the hard r back in the day to like 12 15 years ago or like rice gum would troll e-girls is that why was that what makes rice gum and and keemstar right wing i don't understand that but anyways um well it's you know it's also kind of funny because i'm i looked up the the christian lopez character and he's got this like Ted Lasso-esque mustache, and he's got a behind the masculinity, oh, which is of course like a, a pitcher's or a catcher's mask for baseball, and it's pod. He's like you know the lefty dude bro, you know we're the sports bro, but for right wing, you know for for left wingers, yeah. Except you know we won't fight anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's like the sports like leftoid where they'll like have they'll follow nothing but like sports accounts, but then they'll also tweet like you know like, I remember like. Aristophanes said that he's like, how does this like sports account find my thread on um, the the transmogrification of America? And they're like, you know, oh, you're evil. Like, it's really quite something. It's really fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of hockey bros like that that are left. But nowadays, there's like, I noticed that there's a growing contingent of uh, react. I, I hopefully I'm leading the way of uh, reactionary <laughs> hockey bros. So yeah, I think. Uh, the, like the the right wing position is that we're going to bring fighting back. We're going to bring back the goon. We're it's going to be, it's going to be like it's going to be the the halcyon days of the Indo European sport of hockey. We're going to bring we're going to bring Tiger Williams back. We're going to bring Ty Domi back. We're going to bring Dave Schultz back. It's going to come. There's going to be an enforcer in every team once more. Um, when Gary Bettman dies, that's going to happen. That's well, I don't know, it's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> but um is Gary Bettman literally no, I shouldn't say it on YouTube. I'm not gonna say the term. But um I said that on a loud once where me and my neighbors were watching the Leafs game a few weeks ago and we were talking with Gary Bettman. Never mind. It's, if I you know anyways, let's move on with the show. Let's move on with the show crude. So Well, yeah, so let's go get to our um... the shilling or well, I was oh. actually going to promote our friend because we had jokingly had said earlier a few episodes back that uh, Cine would uh, should go on and make some animations and clips from the show. And he has done that. So this is the Twitter account you need to follow. 
um, yeah. Cine, Cine Animation. Um, and so, yeah, this is what this is what's currently being done, folks. This is great stuff. I'm quite a fan. Uh, <laughs> you were to tell me uh, two years ago or three years ago that this is where my life was going to go in terms of online activity. Uh, I would have I would have laughed in your face. And here we are. We've got, I think, uh, a sh- an image, a still that perfectly reflects our dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these comments. Yeah, it's true. It, it's true. Um, professional hockey has been ratified, but still more right wing. Also, um, make... <laughs> we're going to make great wrestling great again by honoring Chris Benoit. That's very true. Um, don't get caught by the Normie Leaf con, Steven Crowder. Yeah, Steven Crowder, ah, I wonder. I wonder. He probably, he's probably experienced a few hockey fights, like, yeah, I, I should say. but He looks yeah, like but, he's <laughs> been punched in the face at least once or twice. Yeah, the shorthand, the shorthand punches, the, the Wendell Clark punches. Um, but yeah, City Animation, those... The only criticism I have is you probably should have put me in a Hawaiian shirt, but I guess like it, it does fit with the Fez though. I like does, the vest and the Fez. I feel like I believe I I, I should be selling rugs in the Grand Bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the you're in the remnants of New Istanbul selling rugs. Yeah. I mean well, the last of the wares. Oh my god. Well the Turks are more or less aligned with the Russians now, so that could work. They could they'll sell the Z rugs. Um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know what reminds me of that? Because we we were exchanging today with Semi Agog, and uh, I, I posted the Roddy Dangerfield. Um, this stream's gonna have a tough crowd, so. Oh well, uh, yeah. we'll live. But before we get to that, should we do shilling? Yeah, or, let's go uh, ahead and get that out of the it. way. Yeah, we have three movies to review, so yeah, let's get the shilling out of the way. Geo, what do you have for us today? Oh man, okay. So last week I had an article where um, article where I correspond with an Anon friend of mine. We talk about the scene. It's really great. It's on my sub stack. It's just called, um, what's it called? In correspondence. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, of course. Oh yeah. Yes. Monday, I released the second part of uh, John David Ebert's uh, Art After Metaphysics, where I talk about Rothko, Jackson Pollock, and Jean-Michael Basquiat. But the Rothko, the, the, the Pollock one's public and the rest is on... Uh, Patreon and Substack, and then yesterday I released my. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I uh, my, my, uh, you know, finally, finally together at last. My content-minded episode with Scott Alexander. Sorry, I mean Zero HP Lovecraft, um, but it may be Scott Alexander. What the fuck? I'm not even gonna make that joke. That's so stupid. But yeah, Zero HP Lovecraft. Talk about a lot of great things, but I can't believe my audience did not appreciate having Zero HP Lovecraft on. I thought you people would support me, but apparently, like, I couldn't believe the amount of troll comments I got from longtime followers and listeners. Like, you know, like I see people there. I've seen people that have been there since Follow the Rules. I can't believe you people, honestly. Maybe, maybe I see some of you. Like, yeah, I've seen Mister Patchouli. I don't know if Glaucon is in the comments here, but. Or internet friend, but I can't believe you people. You didn't like you didn't like the content I delivered with Zero HP Lovecraft. I'm very listen. I know. Listen, I know he's paranoid because he's Scott Alexander, but it's, <laughs> so he's got to use the vocoder. But um, oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, it was a great episode. You people. What do I mean by you people? Listen, I know the audience, the audience. Yes, the audience. But next week I have another amazing big account 
exciting episode that everyone's going to know. Everyone knows and loves. Should I spoil it, Prude? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, next we're going to release the Morgoth episode. So there you All go. right. Yeah, it's going to be good. He shares a lot of great stories, too. I The, the man is, like, amazing for storytelling. Like, he was... I, I I I kid you not. He was telling me this. I might have to paywall it, but he was telling me a story where this factory that he worked at, that they had a live sex show for this one guy. And I'm not joking. It's 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 great the way he tells it though. Um, it's amazing. I it, this you people the chicken watching. Oh. <laughs> uh. uh, uh, I'm going to hold on to that one. That's great. Live sex show and is off in his workplace. I think you're going to have to pay that. Pay one. I'm going to have to pay one that one. But yeah, yeah. Morgoth is a true bard. And I had to, I love that he went on that trip to Ireland. He did a little video talking about about it. it. Yeah. And he sounded like he was happy. And all the comments pointed that out that he sounded happy, which of course is saying something because I don't think Morgoth's ever sounded happy. (laughs) And, um, you know, the next thing he does is he puts out a Substack essay letting you know, nah, things are still going to shit. Things are still bad. That five seconds of happiness gone, you know, just the Spangler optimism is cowardice right then and there. <laughs> so hopefully my, I think mine will be different than, than other Morgoth ones. I think he was pretty happy when we were talking, so it would be pretty good. But uh, you, speaking of Semigog, he was on a Restoring Order last last night, so. Yeah, he was uh, talking Semigog. about the ho- household. So yes, uh, shout out to our good friend, Oliver. Great yeah. guy. Solid gent. Um, he and I are going to be doing another episode on sort of the, I guess we'll call it the Polish connection when it comes to like USG's um, Central and Eastern European policy in regards to the current conflict. That'll be out next month. Uh, Apparently sure. Polish soldiers are not having a good time. Like they're looking, I heard there's some infighting with the, with the blue yellow soldiers. I heard that this was a thing. Um, my, my buddy, uh, my buddy, uh, GSP was talking about this on the War Report on Constantine Martelli's channel. The recent episode was really good. A uh, shout out to War Report, Constantine and uh, GSP. But yeah, they were talking about like the Pol- Polish soldiers. They're not having a good time in Bakhmut. They're sort mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah. But y- you're going to talk, I'm sure you're going to get to that. I mean, there's been, I couldn't believe then like mainstream publications, they're writing about like Polish mercs not having a good time. Uh, we'll, we'll be covering that, but I mean, also sort of how the geopolitics of 1910 are still very much alive in 2023, which will, uh, speaking of which we also did that, uh, last Saturday, we had my good friend, Christopher Sandbatch on, we talked about sort of the open door policy and the history of American diplomacy and Kennan's lectures and how really that sort of emerging Anglo American special relationship, you know, from over a century ago still plays uh, the predominant policy-making position inside America's foreign policy for the day. So yeah, I mean, things have been, um, you know, things have been good in terms of content. We just put out a great new article out yesterday on Substack. And then, of course, I've been on quite a few other shows as of late. Um, you know, I've been on Orrin McIntyre the other week. I've been on Jay Burden on Popular Opinions. And um, I was also on yeah. Anthony of Westgate's The Reversion podcast talking about our usual bits of Twitter troll gazing and how to emerge from that and maintain some spiritual semblance. Next week, I'm supposed to have a conversation with Kruptos on the issue of uh, order and actually, you know, the question of free speech. So we're going to have a lot of good stuff going on ahead. 
And then, yeah, we've got this. And I was on a beautiful toilet. With, yes, uh, you were. Nick, yeah. It was great. I only know about him because the distributist went on. And I was just like, what an odd podcast name. But, you know, it all works <laughs> out in the end for him, I guess. Yeah. It's great. Just need those super chats. Just need them. Yes. So, um, I figured we'd go in release order and just go uh, Joe versus the Volcano, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail. Yeah. Which one did you want to tackle first? Well, I watched Joe first, and then I watched uh, Sleepless in Seattle, then I watched You've Got Mail. Oh, well, then we'll just go in that order. <laughs> so, reverse uh, release order. So, yes, if you guys couldn't tell by the title, um, You've Got Vril. Uh, we'll be covering that weird period of the 1990s where Hollywood decided to make Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks the Hollywood it couple. And uh, it worked. It worked. Way um, before got, Catherine Heigl. Millennials will never recover. So you got three um, competent movies made. I'm, I'm going to go with that. We'll start with competent. Um, but I think my favorite in terms of because they're all rom-coms. We'll yeah. get that out of the way. These are all rom-coms. But the one with the darkest and sort of most absurdist sense of humor, I think, is the first one, which is Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, definitely. Um, and definitely one of my... It's probably my favorite. Well, actually, You've Got Mail is my favorite of the three. Yeah. It's, my, it's my guilty pleasure movie. But uh, Joe versus the Volcano is the one that I, I always enjoy the most when I rewatch it. Well, it's so crazy. That's why. It's so absurd. But... No, I, I think, like, just in general, I mean, let's talk about, like, all three of them in light of, like, history or in light of, like, the world we live in now as opposed to, like, the early 90s. Sure. Like, uh, first of all, like, what was the impetus for choosing this? Like, what when you said, like, we, we got to do, like, these three rom-coms, like, oh, my God, like, what, what was, <laughs> because, know, I actually okay. enjoyed them. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed them. You know, I yeah I, I really reasons. I really like all three of them but no I was um there was a thread I I, I have bookmarked and I'll I'll try and see if I can pull it up but it was about how if you were to look at you've got mail today in like the 2020s yeah it's about basically oh you know, it's so j- innocent compared to now. well it's innocent <laughs> but i mean you know if you were to look at it today there's this like the thread has the cynical jaded look on it like well this is jeff bezos basically stockholm syndroming this poor independent business owner out of a job <laughs> and, like the only way for her to be happy is to let go of her like possessions and her legacy and her heritage and just like fall in love with this guy <laughs> and it's just like oof you know like what a what a what a dark take um i i like to believe that they get married and then like he buys the store again and like he just like d- like moves the kid section to the her store that's probably like in my head canon fantasy Probably yeah, like things. you know, as like a, a one year anniversary, right? Like he puts it up there, and oh, honey, I you know your store's back, you know. Where's the kids section? Oh, cross street. Yeah, Why? The, oh, the shop well, around the corner. Because the owner made it so. <laughs> it's like no, I in my in my like fantasy world, that's probably what happens between Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and then Chet Hayes comes along, and then he becomes the uh, the Aryan Ubermensch of White Boy Summer many decades later <laughs> is it tom hanks married to an act no he's not married to a- is he married to an actress or he was married to an actress i have no idea who he's married what- to what happened to meg ryan you never see her anymore well he's married to rita wilson um, yeah actress singer producer so yeah um well i don't know what happened to meg ryan is rita honest. wilson's chet hayes is uh 
Oh, she's honor. married to Den. Well, she was married to Dennis Quaid for about a decade. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and Jack Quaid, the guy from the boys, is Meg Ryan's son. Oh my god. Yeah. But she, what is? Did she done anything recent or no? Um. No, not really. I don't think so. I think the last movie I see her in, according to her Wikipedia, is The Women in 2008. And in 2015, she made her directorial debut uh, in Ithaca with the movie Ithaca. Um, Ithaca, I think I watched, or my mother watched Ithaca. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess she's directing more so now, um, yeah. movies and TV, which I guess you do as a woman nowadays, because, you know, we still acknowledge that the wall exists. So either, because yeah. I mean, for women in Hollywood, you have two options, right? You either embrace your age like Betty White or Elaine Stritch, or you start directing. Yeah, you take the Sofia Coppola pill. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, she was the, in City of Angels. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was City of Angels. Yeah, that was. You know, the uh, yeah. Godfather infamy aside. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. When Harry met Sally. I never. I didn't like When Harry met Sally. That was sort of. Yeah. I like Running Scared is my ones. favorite Billy Crystal comedy, but yeah. I, I can live without When Harry met Sally. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, that would explain it. <laughs> what? Let me. We st- we stand only Randy Quaid in this chat. Exactly, exactly, absolutely, hundred percent. We need Randy Quaid to make some more movies, but but they'll be like Alex Jones tier, like conspiracy, um, you know. Well, yeah, speaking, but- well, you know, speaking of like Alex Jones tier conspiracy, it's like seeing Tom Green, you know, of the Tom Green show. That weird period of like the early two thousands of friends. Oh Jeff man, Andy. I remember that. And he's yeah. on TikTok basically saying like, yeah, this is what the elites want. We're never closer to World War Three. We're taking away your currency. I'm just like, what has happened to you? And where can I follow you? <laughs> but it's like, but he was like a, he was like a sacrament head though. He was like, like the pandemic broke his brain. Cause like he was releasing like videos of like him, like sterilizing his groceries and like living out in the desert. Like, like, but now he's going back to like, he's like going the polar opposite of like, you know, <laughs> like but is it a bit yeah. or not is always the question I have to ask when it I think comes Fauci to... personally psyoped him. That's probably like, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like Fauci just like they they, they shot him with the the psyop gun. You yeah, know? like he was Fauci strong soldier, but then he rebelled, so he probably you know <laughs> Randy, uh, <laughs> Randy Quaid and Tom Green star in Big Trouble and Little Saint James. <laughs> Like, they have to like escape the facility in the underground of Little St. James. <laughs> and it can be and it can be like a little yeah, kid. Sterilizing and, his chicken. and it can be like a little kid and um Freddie got fingered who goes through horrific injuries as they're trying to like save all the kids from the island. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Listen, he sterilized his chicken. Yeah, he like sterilizing his chicken. He during... has his inward pass now. He sterilized his chicken. <laughs> The corn starch, he like starts eating. <laughs> That's so great. I'm so glad we're over Geo Scotty. I'm so glad. Like, like, Geo Scotty was. Such I don't want to play with you anymore. People are washing their chicken <laughs> with Clorox. Geo Scotty was such a filter for the E right to like look at like who who sides in what camp. I'm so glad about that, especially uh-huh. a certain coal cola poster. Um, but yeah, but that, not to like go into old drama because I feel like a week old drama is like a thousand centuries now. Now we have now we what, has someone found her name, chick uh, seasoning girl. 
Uh, yes, I think someone had also found her, doxed her resume, and all sorts. Of, like, it's just a great. This is the horrifying implications of like Web 2.0, 3.0 coming now. Like, whew. Um, <laughs> my didn't... favorite tweet was uh, when someone calls the teacher in school mom, and it's like where she's posing, mm, like you know. <laughs> yeah, uh... but I mean, um. I put up this is a fancy restaurant because then Freddie got fingered. I think the place is literally called the fancy restaurant. <laughs> um, and it's like, like a mall rats, the dirt mall. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, oh. you know, I, I agree with Mike Staclasa from Red Letter Media. I think he made that movie just to fuck with whoever told him he needs to make a movie to capitalize on it. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, I've, I've wasted a million dollars. And it's like, yeah, we know. We just watched it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's the fun part about, uh, to go back to our, or the film we're going to review, is uh, the humor's great. It's absurdist. Yeah. And, I mean, we open up with this, like, janky, you know, 16 tons cover and a janky sidewalk in the most soulless office job imaginable it was like the brutalist office apartment he's like in the sub basement like it's i i quite like the opening because it's sort of like i i could tell the theme of this rom-com is like essentially um like escaping modern like corporatized life like that's i i noticed like a lot of rom-coms they have that like even up until the hallmark like the hallmark era that we're living in it's all about like trying to find your place in the world away from like the machinations of like big city corporatism. Like that seems to be like, like the embrace of like romance is also the embrace of authenticity, which I feel like was cemented in this era. But what's funny about these films is that you'll never find nowadays a rom-com with like specifically like a male protagonist. Like, because the fantasy is always a few, like a woman finding her perfect man, but there's never like, you, like the whole setup of Joe versus Volcano is like he's dying or he thinks he's dying, and so he goes crazy and he like really tries to embrace his life because he really is like just a, a cog, like he's going on autopilot through life more or less. And he, he had, has no you know, and he used to be something, you know. Yeah, exactly. He used to be a firefighter. He used to be a a man of heroics and action, and now he's just this like. Yeah. hypochondriac you know he's, yeah, he's very like he it's very like an, a young Aryan type of film i feel i know that sounds so stupid that you would like say that ernst younger has anything to do with this but he really is like trying to become the man of action again but through sacrifice which is really like a perennial theme even though like it's just a rom-com but it, i do find it funny how it is like a male protagonist whereas like nowadays like if rom-coms get made i feel like the rom-com died with Katherine Heigl. I don't know. Apart from like certain Hallmark movies, but it's all very much like rom-coms are very much like the female gaze. Well, they've been, they've been delegated to, I think, yeah, like you said, the female gaze, they've been delegated to three areas like Christmas, Hallmark and Valentine's day. That's it. They don't exist anywhere else. Like when's the last big rom-com that was made that was released in theaters? I can't even, uh, the Brooklyn one or, like you know the irish and the again it's always irish and italian um i don't know like what isn't like what has been a recent big rom-com i don't know i can't Um, i'm probably like the last person that anyone should ask because like i don't um what is the most recent rom-coms that i don't go to the movies (laughs) like you know i get excited when the criterion collection goes on sale i don't you know 
Um, I should watch that Tar movie that people have been raving about, or Blondie. I don't know. Like all the big movies that like people think thought were good, I didn't watch this year. I don't know. So um, yeah, I mean, also there's a lot that are on Netflix. (laughs) The gay one, yeah. Is there gay rom coms now? There, Uh, there must. There has to be. be. Yeah, right. There's a gay homework movie. My mother watched it. What a shame. It's you know what's funny is that the dynamic though is exactly like every other rom com, but it's two dudes instead of a a dude and a, a woman. Oh. It's like it's it's totally alien. Like you know, well, I mean, Love like, Simon is the gay rom com, but it's also like yeah. a weird coming of age trying to humanize and hide the child abuse somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, but but I mean, like it's basically still made for like boomer Gen X millennial women because like the dynamic of that gay net uh, the, the the gay homework film is exactly like every other homework film. Like you can't do that. Like that's. I'm not a gay man, but I'd imagine like they heterode the gays. <laughs> they heterode the gays exactly. It's like it's it's exactly like um, Reese, What was that one? Will and Grace, the one the normalized gay marriage. Yes. Yeah. Will and yeah. Grace. No, it's exactly like that. They've heteroized the gays. It's just like or Archie you know, Bunker having a gay friend, or Three's Company, where you know this that, guy plays. That should as a- be like the. <laughs> that should be like the yellow soy meme of like Archie Bunker having a gay friend. Like <laughs> here in these parts, we honor our our you know I got a gay best friend. It's like Have you ever seen me with a woman? I'm not married, you know. It's just like oh well, you know, like who played uh, the gay one? Who is it? Was it um? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Oh, uh, who's the Hispanic one in Archie Bunker? He also was friends with he was Julio on Sanford and Sons. They made a gay rom-com, but the box office couldn't recoup the losses of yearly prep costs. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, terrible. That's <laughs> they cauterized the gate. <laughs> Listen, the taxpayer in the United States pays $36 annually in order to cover prep costs. We literally subsidize a lifestyle. So Same in Canada. Canada, we have they subsidize <sighs> bottom surgery. Oh, well... Yeah. Um, for, oh, not that I pay. Well, I pay taxes. Well, speaking of of me- the medical bits, what the there are two. There are a bunch of recurring little symbols and motifs throughout Joe versus the volcano. The first one that is really obvious is um, the the sign and the logo of his job, which is this weird sort of jagged lightning that comes down. We see this in the walkway, and we see this in how his house is or his shitty apartment, which is like a yeah. carved up duplex. But uh, also ducks. Ducks are everywhere in this film. Um, and it's a really great little way of foreshadowing it. Oh, spoilers, by the way. This movie's like 32 years old. Uh, or 33 years old. And, older than me. Yeah. You know. And it's, and it's the, uh, the doctor's a quack. The uh, rapscallion billionaire that owns a superconductor company. You know, the head at the top of his cane is a nice a brass fake. duck. Yeah, they have to make a fake element to use in superconductors, kind of like kind of like unobtainium in in science um, fiction. Yeah, in in Avatar. Sorry, I can't believe I blanked. Well, they used Avatar. it everywhere. Um, unobtainium. Yeah. I mean, it was even used in the um, UFO British television series back in the eighties. Um, but yeah, he he tells him uh, Grainamore needs uh, Bubaru, a mineral. You know, dilithium for... crystals in Star Trek. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And what? Okay, so you know, and he tells them like, "Look, here's your premise. I know that you're dying. 
You've got like six months to live. I'm going to let you party it up. Here are all these credit cards. They're unlimited. Go hog wild. And then um, we're going to take you to this remote island out in the middle of nowhere in Polynesia. And you're going to go sacrifice yourself to some volcano god. And that will, you know, keep the uh, villagers and the tribal people happy. And the volcano won't go off for another hundred years. Um, the volcanoes at Club Tropical Excellence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just what's the... it's in a very absurd pro- like, but it's I a, feel it's a ridiculous premise. But I do feel like it's meaningful, like I said, in the sense of like escaping alienation and modernity in the way that I feel like there there was sort of like a cultural malaise setting in. But like, okay, the reason I say that these films could never be made nowadays. First of all, you'd never have a rom-com with a male protagonist because... Or they never a, a, a rom-com with two straight white... Yeah. White yeah. passing protagonists. Oh, true, true, true. But then, but also I feel that the the movie is thoroughly modernist in that it's hopeful. And, and also, which one thing that all three of them, except for like a little bit when... Um, in Joe vs. the Volcano, he meets the art hoe that is, like, the daughter of the millionaire. Also played by Mick Ryan. Yeah, all three are all three of them played by Mick Ryan? All three characters? No, no. The first girl in the office is not played by Mick Ryan. Oh, because she kind of looks like Mick Ryan a little bit. Yeah, she does, but no. Yeah, so the office girl isn't Meg Ryan, but, like, the other two are the sisters. So it's really weird how another thing I found quite refreshing compared to nowadays is that there? It's sort of like Hallmark. Oh, movies she is. Too. No, no, she does play her. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it is all three women. All three women play by the grind. So one thing I found re- refreshing is that there's only like an illusion towards sexuality. There's like never like a sex scene. It's never like it's pure rom com. Like it's I, I wouldn't even say that like it's funny because I I didn't find them funny, but I found them meaningful in the sense of like a man trying to find meaning in a world that's been stripped of it. And I feel also that all three of them have, um, like, the the like refreshing lack of diversity. In other words, where like, like for example, in um, in both sleepless, sleepless in Seattle and in You've Got Mail, you still have like the '90s approach to diversity, where it's like it's good that different people are in the city coming together, but you it's really like largely still a more or less homogenous America, and so. You have like you don't have like the gratuitousness of like overt sexuality, but also you you have like um, a more meaningful like uh, like a better engagement towards urbanism, apart from like the alienation of Jover's volcano than like the other ones. Like so, you have like a world that the only is black fundamentally... guy in this movie is the limousine driver. Yeah, well, apart from the Polynesians, but, but they're like a different, you know, the black, they're not black, but like... No, there are a mix know. of Druids, Celts, Jews, everything, uh, yeah. according to the little book that we get. So, you know, nondescript tribal people, and yeah. they have a love for orange soda. And the only, and you know what's bad is that what my brain's idea of, you know... It's pure cargo call. Well, no, yes, yes, yes. But no, my, my brain was immediately thinking, oh, this is the bloody Even Stevens movie from like 2003, because they go to an <laughs> island where they're like, God is Oprah or whatever. And they're oh all like, God, it's yeah. a television show in the background, you know, it's gotcha. And it's just like, oh, so like, this is all just straight up bullshit, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> my brain is just like, here we are. 
uh, addicted to orange soda, bad sense of direction, and uh, obese for most of them. So it's just like, okay, right, nondescript setting in the South Pacific. You'd never depict Polynesians like that nowadays. Oh, no, no, no. Be too racist, yeah. But also, like, Meg Ryan is, like, the lovable mid, you know? Like, that's what I feel like Meg Ryan... She like laid out the template for like rom-com stars because she is kind of like the lovable mid. She's not like too special. Like she's she's not Jennifer Connelly. If they put Jennifer Connelly in there, of course. Um or Monica Belushi, maybe. I'm not I'm totally not subtweeting AA right there, but <laughs> it wasn't for stopping frisk rom-coms when set in New York. Thank thanks, Rudy. <laughs> Rudy's so so true. We, yeah, we love so our true. Rudy Giuliano don't we folks yeah meg ryan is the attainable idea yeah 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 so i feel like she's not like she's nothing like okay she's it's not that she's not special but i feel like for rom-coms she is like a good mix of like attractive but yet attainable she's not like you know what i mean like she's not she's not like again like she's not like a jennifer con but even jennifer conley has a bit of attainability in her that's not like totally out there like like uh what's what's her name the the one oh, i mean Hollywood girl she was definitely felt a scarlett johansson which i don't feel like i don't feel like scarlett's that special compared to monica belushi but you know well um, i mean when she was you know younger she was certainly sort of the attainable character pre wall um i mean she was in the rocketeer I mean, that weird career opportunities, I think, what is it? It's not a John Hughes movie, right? You know, and all the sort of like night, you know, if the night shift guy can get the girl, then yeah, she was definitely attainable, but. It's not like, it's like Bizlet posted a, who was that one? Stewart, Kristen Stewart. Oh, the one that Bizlet tweeted out today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But she always had the tired look though. She always had she made resting bitch face attainable yeah i never liked Kristen stewart the only time i liked her was in welcome to the rileys but that was because of um that was because of uh paul gandolfini so that's tony soprano she so. was an eight-legged freaks i remember yeah. watching that movie as a kid yeah and me just too enjoying sci-fi that and evolution with david Duchovny. um those two movies were just like the great childhood schlock that i remember yeah. i love it um yeah you you're very attainable now, <laughs> <For a time. laughs> yeah uh, you're very attainable as the now new submissive and readable you know yeah. copy text that you can put in there but like i noticed that these rom-coms all have like the sort of hallmark template of like mid-30s to 40s singles like urban bourgeois people you know what i mean like they have that yeah. very clear defined like these are like bourgeois urbanites apart from like you know, apart most... from Joe living in a slum, basically, yeah. you know, in a, yeah, in a shitty one where, yeah. in a shitty piece of uh, like a city, some, but I mean, it's nondescript too. Like it has a very formulaic setting, and then yeah. it, we we throw it out the window with this absurdist. Well, you're dying, so can I convince you to sacrifice yourself to some like volcanic god? You know, of this Polynesian culture that has no sense of direction, yeah. and. But what I love about it, though, is is that to me, the highlight of the film isn't the ending. I really think that the peak of the film is like they're on this nice little yacht and like a storm comes in. And of course, he's bought these like four watertight trunks 
And I the love the guy. Most expensive that, trunks. The most yeah. expensive trunks. And I love it. And he's like, I'll take four of them. And I just love the guy that's like selling it to him. He's like, may you live for a thousand years. Um, <laughs> you know, just like a really like, you know, kind of what I would imagine a very bourgeois kind of like salesperson to tell me. Um, yeah. They don't but, make those guys anymore. Yeah, those guys don't exist, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Not even, like, big cities. Like, go to Toronto, go to New York. Maybe even New York, but, you know. Well, New I mean, York can find anything. Well, aren't the elevator operators still, like, unionized to make a shit ton of money? You know? Like, they yeah. still exist. They so still there, Yeah, I think there's a little, There's a little well. drollop of culture still left in the cities, but who knows. And... What I like, though, is that, like, the the yacht crashes, and it's him and Meg Ryan on these, like, four cases, and he's taking care of her while she's unconscious. And but the, really? But the best part of the film, right, is, like, he's dehydrated, he's getting delirious, and you get this beautiful matte painting of the moon rising above the horizon on the ocean, and he just crosses his arms and lifts them up to the sky, and he says, God, whose name I do not know, thank you for my life. Very much. Like, that's where it should have show. ended, I think, to some extent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's where Truman Show got it from. The the moon scene. Look, look at King Salmonfish. Dio knows my romantic no- war novel with Haley Lejeune. Okay, listen, I'm only going to do this once because he's my friend. But I've been pr- King Salmonfish has given me some information. I want to say this publicly. Okay, everything King Salmonfish says about Haley Lejeune is true. I don't don't ask me how I know this but I know this it's everything is true. I couldn't believe it myself, but King Simon Fish shared some photos with me. It's all true. But Haley Lejeune, the, the CIA, the, the military psyop girl. It's true. What he says about her. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that as a cliffhanger, but I'm not joking by the way. I'm not, I was, I was stunned myself. I was stunned myself, but anyways, uh, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, is that her name, Lejeune? Is that how you say Lejeune? 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 Lujan. 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 That's how you say it. Haley Lujan. It must Everything... be nice to live somewhere where you don't have to pronounce a bunch of names like that. Yeah. But King Salmonfish broke her brain legit. If you look at her TikTok, it's crazy. Anyways, moving on. So I thought that I thought that um, he was hallucinating taking care of her. But it was mm-hmm. really like Meg Ryan taking care of him. But it would, did he take care of her first? Yeah, I mean, she's unconscious throughout the for the first bit, and he's using all of the like club soda, um, sort of like Perrier drinking water, you know, the bot, the fizzy stuff to like you know keep her hydrated while she's unconscious. She's got an, yeah. an umbrella over her. He pulled out the little mini golf thing to play on top of there. She's like living his best. He's trying to shave and everything, but yeah, you know he in this midst of overcoming his hypochondria, he's taking care of this unconscious woman and he feels like he's about to die, you know? Yeah. And he sort of is just thankful for the life that he's given him. He's like shaken off this uh, hypochondria. He's shaken off all of the things that kept him in this little box. This man has finally achieved space. And in turn, you know, he's finally he's happy find, with his life. He found own space. Exactly. He, es- he, he escaped the longhouse by going into the <laughs> middle of the ocean and floating on four, uh, you know, waterproof tight trunks to, for for travel while an unconscious war bride <laughs> is resting <laughs> on his trunk. No, it really is good. I feel like it is a quest for authenticity and it is like absurd and ridiculous but at the same time it's plunging into the absurd maybe we're just making too much about it like a that's why i like this movie because it's absurdist it's the most it has the darkest humor it's the most absurd in its plot line and where you go 
And you yeah, know, <laughs> it's look it's, at Cody Browning right here. Put that comment up. Lars and the Real Gerd is just the Midwestern insult version of this. Well, we've no, covered this movie. We've covered. Yeah, he was there. Um, no, but that's what I mean. Like, I feel like Ryan Ryan Gosling is the in millennial Tom Hanks in some ways, but like a more edgy, incelish, brooding version. Like there was that one. So, like I, I'm writing my review of La La Land. I'm going to submit it to IM nice. 1776, and I literally describe Ryan Gosling in parentheses of literally me fame. Yeah, because um, I mean that's that's what he's been built up to be. There was that one tweet by Zante, which I'll never forget, which is like Ryan Gosling, like brooding, quasi nihilistic, but yet sacrificial. He's really is like the millennial, like he's everything in one. He is the millennial. I am like wow. He's literally me. Like yeah, yeah. Like every everything, everything. God, only God forgives. Um, Lost River. We're gonna cover Lost River. We said, but we we're gonna dedicate like a whole thing to it. Maybe. Yes, we need to. We need to. Yeah. Hank, Hank, Tom Hanks could never play the lead in the in the driver. He, it, well, nah. he could if drive was more of a comedy. Version. Yeah, Chet Hayes could probably play driver. It's <laughs> probably Chet Hanks could definitely play the driver. Yeah, no doubt. You know what's funny with the White Boy Summer is that he like shredded that journalist. That was hilarious. <laughs> Tried to make like a theory cell, like a word cell, like. The white white boy summer, the summer that never came. It's like trying to be all profound when it's like some, like went to like NYU journalism school and like Chet Hanks just like, like you're fat. Like that was it. That's all it took. You're fat and ugly. That was it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you're anyways, tired, on. sweetie, you're tired. You know, you're tired. <laughs> so that, yeah, they get to the island and no more smoke show. We're getting rid of that. <laughs> Come on, and it's such serious. a and it's such a joke. You know, we have these like, and you could make this film today. You know, we just have, you could, yeah, we just have this like grotesque, very performative tribal behavior. We have this like obese woman looking through a telescope, drinking a can of orange soda. And you know the whole... who would be the lead? It wouldn't be Meg Ryan. It would be who's that British woman that plays like the fat slut best friend? What's her oh, name? I don't know, you but know that's that's basically about. Rosie O'Donnell in Sleepless in Seattle. That's true. Yeah. I have a yeah. lot to say about that. But yeah. Oh, you mean Rebel Wilson? Rebel Wilson. It'll be Rebel Wilson. Although yeah. she's lost a shitload of weight. I mean, those really? apparently really is the miracle drug. Man, it didn't do anything for me, bro. <laughs> so, you know why I started losing weight when I started fasting? That's, that's why it works. Yeah. Plus, like, I, I, like, it is, I am kind of uh, skeptical of. Like, there's people that tell me, you know, there's probably not. Wow, she really did lose weight. Holy crap. She looks like, she looks like default in one of these photos. I can't believe it. She kind of looks like default. Oh, she's Australian. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, jeez. Wow. I thought she yeah, was she, British. She, you know, she saw one of those zero HP Lovecraft tweets and said, yeah, I'm going to do it. That's um, kind of like Bizlet with, um, what's her face? Nekolol. Nekolol. Yeah. Like, where, <laughs> like, like. Bizlet had the tweet that went viral that like Hassan, Hassan had, had to cover it, yeah. And then right away, Nikolul just like lost like, weight, lost weight, yeah. Somehow, I don't know. It's like, is it true that Hispanic women hit the wall at twenty five? I have no. You would know more than well. Me. It depends. 
This is why they like, you know, this is why you have to like get yourself a nice army, you know, husband out of Fort Bliss while you're still 19, 20, 21. That way they have no idea what kind of abuela you turn into at 27. You go, yeah, you go off to like fight another, you become a Zeo. Yeah, you, you go, you go fight another, you know, you do another tour in Afghanistan. You come home, your wife is aged 30 years in the span of 16 months. You saw you your best what friend get, yeah, yeah, 2025. You come home. You you saw your best friend getting doned by a Wagner by a Wagner anime incel. <laughs> then you come home from Ukraine, and it's like your abuela. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, not not to say that the Americans will ever engage in a hot war with the Russians, but who knows? I who knows? I I, <laughs> I have seen Rubber, and I that that's a movie that we should cover one of these days. Rubber, have you seen it? I let me see if I've seen it. About the tire. People keep telling me to, to watch Holy Motors, but um, I think I may have seen Rubber. I may Rubber, have seen Rubber. Rubber's funny. Um, yeah, and it's just also really rigid. It, it makes fun of filmmaking and more. But yeah, is it I a would... take on like that one film where the 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 evil truck driver chases them? I think it was like the first uh, Spielbergo film. I'm not too sure. Yeah, it was like but, you black know, and white. Um, it's also just it's also sort of making fun of absurdism where it's just like you know the sheriff will point to the camera break the fourth wall and be like things in movies happen for no reason and that's how life yeah. is i haven't watched that probably since it came out i, yeah. I watched it probably yeah when it in i, I torrented it I, <laughs> I, I i downloaded it off the internet when i was like 15 and i remember really liking that movie um Cody Browning, Sleepless in Seattle. She's also 30 years older, and your son is also black for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Was the same kid in Sleepless, the two kids, were they the same in You've Got Mail? Uh, I think so. Ross Malinger, that's his name. Um, he was in Sleepless in Seattle. Um, now I'm just like looking through a few, all of his work, because he probably has not done a shit ton of movies. Uh no, he was not in the other one. Just this mm. movie. They look similar. The the kid in the. But he's also in the Cable Guy, which has all sorts of other ridiculous bits in there. But you know. Oh my God! Could have been in School Ties, the one where Brendan Fraser gets in the shower scene. Is that the one? I don't remember. I think I watched that in school. Um, but yeah, Brendan Fraser is back, baby. The white man is back. As <laughs> I, I I should watch the whale. I, like I mean, me and. Kino Corner talked about it a few months ago when he was on Content Minded, but I should watch it. I should watch Tar. I don't know if I want to watch women talking because I really, I, I do not like, okay, when I say I don't like Sarah Pauly, I don't like Sarah Pauly personally, but she is a good actress. Um, but she's like a terrible shit lib. Like she, she got her teeth knocked in at a Mike Harris protest back in like the late nineties. So mm. that was pretty based. Um, she was really great in like Adam McGowan films, but, uh, the one where yeah okay i saw yeah i saw that one school time i don't know if i would want to watch uh women, women talking. talking i mean i feel like the consequences of popularizing a film encouraging women to talk more that's what someone responded with zhp with uh, imagine women talking like <laughs> imagine watching women talking <laughs> i'm sure it's good i'm sure that it's not that bad but um i don't think <laughs> i want to watch women talking the only true cell left alive to you yeah Good i've Lord. true self myself into being a woman respecter that's the way you got to do it or else you'll avoid the fate of uh many an incel so 
But I, but, I do to to get back to Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. Um, I did like the ending ends on this weird optimistic note. I think it should have ended with them jumping into the volcano, not getting spat back out. Uh, that was really. I feel like if they were to have sacrificed, I, I feel like that was such a studio. Yeah. We need to save the 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 movie bit. We can't just kill Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan by jumping into a volcano. <laughs> it would have been. It would have darkened the color. Like it would have darkened the theme of the film. I feel. It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have worked. I feel for like the mid '90s audience in terms of rom coms, like because this is appealing. Let's face it, it was appealing to boomer women who were still a bit younger than their Gen X kids. Yeah, entering their late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, like the Gen Xers, they were watching, like they were watching Mad Love. You know, they were watching like in terms of romance, they're watching like Gen Xer films like Mad Love. Which mm. which really fuss? Did you watch Mad Love? No, I did not. It was a great film. I like it. It was really great. They were watching um, that one with Grisham, where he falls in love with a younger woman in like Seattle. It's so, like a lot of these films come. Like I feel like the mid nineties, they really tr- they were trying to like capture the Seattle vibe of like rural Washington. I don't know why. I feel like because of the grunge thing. Yeah, they're watching the original Clerks. They're watching Mad Love. Um, you know what? Whatever happened, Chris O'Donnell be like he had to go to the small screen. People don't care about him anymore. But Mad Love was a great film. Uh, I like the soundtrack. Uh, the film, Lo- like I feel like it was well placed when they put Love Buzz by Nirvana in it. Mm. So it was pretty good. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet was probably like the ultimate Gen Xer. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know why people hate Romeo plus Juliet at the time. Like I really love that film. I I I think like the over the top music video esque directing of Baz Luhrmann, the aesthetic of it was really great. I, I, did you watch Romeo plus Juliet? I did not. No, it was with the Claire Danes and um, of course, like uh, DiCaprio. You no, didn't watch I, that. No, movie? I did not. No, it was great. No, I like it. The visuals of it. My, 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 uh, a lot of my filmography growing up is more or less all of John Wayne. Oh my god! Because um, of my dad, so you know, I, I've I've just yeah. about seen every John Wayne movie twice. Um, I've seen Ben Hur. That's that's probably why Ben Hur is still one of my favorite films ever. Uh, yeah, watched all all the sword and sandal movies, almost every war film ever made. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't I don't have a, a <laughs> that much. Look of at it, internet but... friend. I can't believe you, internet friend. Like the visual, the vi- the aesthetic of Romeo plus Juliet is amazing. Mm. It's really. Like, yeah, exactly. You need the Hawaiian shirt from that movie. I do. I do. I do, Cody Browning. Um, but anyways, yeah, Joe Virth's Volcano. Um, to wrap it up, I feel it's a good film. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, but I do feel that, like, I mean, it embraces the absurdism. It really is sort of like the the new sincerity film of the 90s in terms of, like, it doesn't... You wouldn't make a film... Like, okay, would you make a film this absurd? Yes, but it would have to be, like... It would have to be like the sort of like millennial type of absurdity that people like that we grew up on. Sort of like, what's that film? I I didn't I I remember one time I said this to a, a girl in in high school. She couldn't believe me. She was stunned. What's that film? The travel film with uh oh god. Don't hurt yourself. Oh, the famous the the, the they have, there's two of them where the guys are traveling or whatever. Oh God. Think of like millennial films. Think of like millennial comedy. Like road trip. 
Road Trip. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I oh, said God. this. I'm like, I never watched Road Trip or Road Trip 2 or whatever. Like, she's like, what? I go, yeah, I never watched them. Never. Yeah, um, with Todd Phillips and and, yeah. and Sean William Scott, who is yeah. only I associate really with with comedies. I mean, yeah. although he did great in, um, what was he in? Or who am I? Who am I thinking of? I'm trying to remember off the top. Of my, no, he was in Goon. I, I liked Goon, yeah, even Goon's though I'm not. Great. I'm not a hockey movie. I'm not a hockey guy by any stretch of the imagination. But I can enjoy uh, that movie for that purpose. Bro, you should um, start watching the Dallas Stars. I, you know, they're doing pretty good this year. Actually, they're pretty like for some reason. I feel tickets like are remarkably cheap. I should go. I yeah, don't. Man. I don't live. I mean, I live far enough to make that a drive, but I, I don't live far. I think enough they're playing to the Maple Leafs soon. I should go. The, yeah. Know, well. Fraser so, was in Seattle as well. I mean, yeah, David Hyde Pierce is also in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, Niles. Yeah, Niles. He was in. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't and believe that. He's also Sideshow Bob's brother for an episode in The Simpsons. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, yeah. He was um, what was his name in The Simpsons? I have no idea. You're the. Oh, man. I only know he's in it because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Cheers and Fraser. I've seen both of those series in full more times than I've i'm not a fan yet. of cheers but fraser is next level uh fraser, fraser is just well done comedy writing yeah Ugh, but then i remember back in high school i had a friend that said the problem with fraser is that by the time yeah cecil cecil was uh bob terwilliger's brother <laughs> um by the time you get to the end of fraser they've went from like more british like atlantis atlantic humor to like bougie like vulgar american humor i don't know if that's true or not do you notice a difference in the uh, end it, of fraser fraser jumps the shark and this is where everyone complains that it gets bad because the best bit of comedic tension dies when they finally put niles and daphne together yeah and they ruin the wedding and then they're like oh we have to write our way out of this because like we've just spent the last like seven seasons making this a playful joke and now it's a reality and they're like well how do we write ourselves out of this yeah, but they deserve uh, to be together, I feel. Well, like I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it does illustrate, I think, that they didn't have a plan about what that would look like. Um, but I, I don't <laughs> know. Remembering the, the, co- <laughs> the comedy is pretty fine, I think. I think it stays relatively stable throughout. Although they start getting way more tongue-in-cheek and nudge-nudge, wink-wink to the audience. Because, like, early on in the series, it would be all about, oh, we're going to have, like, you know ted dancing on we're gonna have like you know everyone from cheers eventually show up and then towards the end of the series it's more like you know a woman that fraser is trying to court be like come on fraser you don't know what it's like playing the same person for 20 years and it's like yeah well we know because kelsey Grammer's played fraser for 20 years and yeah that's how we are but i don't know it's still it's it's still pretty it's still pretty good i still love that show to death (laughs) oh yeah no okay i watched cheers yeah yeah i watched Cheers. sorry for some reason my mind went to friends but no cheers is pretty great cheers friends is, is well friends right. is awful friends is everything wrong with the late 90s like they, there was like like literally um no i mean yeah fraser i feel is like the anti the anti uh, friends um but anyways moving on so yeah dark angel was a great show with jessica alba um but yeah so joe versus the volcano I like the bit towards the end, though, where she finally calls him out. She's like, well, I love you. And he, he, he replies the same. And he's just like, I love you, too. It's great. I've never been in love with anyone before in my life. And then he's just like, but the timing sucks. Yeah. I gotta go. And I'm like, what a, what a Chad move right there. <laughs> carry on with the desire to, uh, Very to, to go meet yourself with a, a noble end to, to go out like a man. Yeah. 
but that's what I mean. That's that's what like really made it. But then, but then in the end, like they sort of drift off into the sunset. It was you know it was a very good film. No, they drift off into the moonrise. The moonrise, yeah, yeah. And it's just like you know, like that's the thing. It, it's these like nineties, um, like the, the you know these nineties rom coms. They're like a breath of fresh air compared to like the corporatized like um, homogenous pap that is Hallmark, but also like the more like retarded self-aware rom-coms that come later that are specifically targeted to millennials like older millennials that like have like gratuitous sex and and just like not very yeah you know what i mean they're not it went in two directions because you either had the absurdist style raunchy rom-com comedies like there's something about mary oh god or you got the sort of like i hate cameron diaz by the way the same but yeah. you have this other type, which is far more. She really like, hit the wall too. <laughs> girl boss style of, um, you know, twenty seven oh. dresses and stuff like that. Oh god, all of them are girl bosses. All yeah. of them. What's the one? What's the high school one where she marries her half brother? Uh, I could not tell you. That was a great one. Um, they, these are all pre twenty ten films. It's a core millennial film where she marries her half brother and like. She's like the dumb rich girl. Mm. Oh man, I can't believe I forgot this. Was it Twelve Can? Was it called Twelve Candles? Why do you know these things? Because listen, I <laughs> I've watched a lot that, that of strange cinema. A lot of questions. <laughs> I've watched a lot of different. Uh, you know, I've watched. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite films is Mean Girls. So there you go. I told you the Mean Girls story, right? Clueless! No. Clueless! Yeah, Clueless! It's such Kino! Such Kino! It's Clueless. Okay, so <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, right, and we were in school, and we watched, the, the girls made us watch for movie night, movie day, sorry, on Friday, um, of course, Mean Girls, right? Because Mean Girls was like the quintessential millennial film, right? So Mean Girls, like, our teacher was trying to say like mean girls is meaningful, blah, blah, blah. And of course, when you're a boy, right? Like you're, especially me, I was like, you're younger than everybody almost. So it's like, Oh, this is stupid. Ugh. But then years later, like years later, past university, um, for some reason, uh, on a movie channel, mean girls was on. So my mother is like, why don't we watch it? I'm like, Oh, you know, whatever. I watched it and like, Whoa, I got it. Mean Girls is one of the most Kino films. It is the quintessential millennial film. Mean Girls is such Kino. And I like immediately got it, especially when they played like Halcyon by Orbital at the end. I'm like, oh my God, like this is like, this is like, I was crying almost at the end. It was amazing. Um, But yeah, post-wall Cameron Diaz and San Diego. Uh, Yeah, um, I never liked Cameron Diaz. Um, I believe she's also like a lib too. I mean, they're all like a lib. So um, I was like, that was yeah a, a taken for granted bit there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to to end this one, right? I think the real takeaway is that this is the most absurdist one. This one, I think, is actually more focused on Tom Hanks above everybody else. Like you know, Meg Ryan's there, but this is more of a Tom Hanks movie. You yeah. know, he's coming out because this is 1990, so he's coming out really out of the. Um, 
that weird like mazes and magic style late 80s oh, yeah. comedies and satanic panic bit this was and, really an 80s film really it was in 19 well yeah i mean look at his hair i mean he's got the, you know he doesn't trim it to the usual what we would later see in things like apollo 13 or forrest gump haircut like he has the sort of party in the back bit at the beginning in this dingy sterile medical fluorescent lights of an office and yeah. he, you know, and it's and it's funny because like you know there are three stages of this movie. Each woman of Meg Ryan is a whole different stage of what he, what they're into. You know, like he he asks Dee Dee out, and he's just got he's also full of you know guts and vinegar, you know, piss and vinegars. He says in the movie, and you know what what kills it for her, of course, is that he's dying. Yeah, but he's like, I want to live. You know, this is great. And then I want to live. And you you know, get, how you many get, films you get has the Tom Hanks been stranded in? quite a few yeah no but you get the art yeah go with the art hoe yeah the art yeah i mean then we get awesome. then we get sort of this pretentious art hoe style woman also played by Meg ryan who played who paints pop art kind who of paint, like yeah who paints pop art something that you would see in like someone making fun of uh 50s retro style diners you know yeah you have the kind of pop art there and yeah like Decker. yeah 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 mm. and uh you know she's also a poet but you know, to me, I'm like, yeah, you know, what 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 succeeds the art hoe from Joe versus a volcano is uh, Ramona Flowers. Oh God! Like, there's a direct line between the two. That's something we're never going to cover. No, uh, I I would refuse. Um, yeah, just not going to. I mean, it would just be too painful. But <laughs> <laughs> look at look at Cody Browning, clueless, where hit the weirdo incel who reads Nietzsche poolside ends up getting the hot blonde stepsister. Boys, I'm thinking never left. That is such a great like clueless is such a griperous film. It is the Amarna Forums approved film. Like it's like an incel that reads Nietzsche that bangs his stepsister. I mean, come on, this is th- come on. Like, do I have to do I like? Do, can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> you're, you're spelling it out for him, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> Meg Ryan gets the face type. You can't look at her without feeling sad. Yeah, Meg Ryan, I feel like she she's like sad girl material. Um, oh, this she time. also did a lot of plastic surgery. True. True. So, yeah. You know, it's sort of like why uh, Reese Wh- Reese Witherspoon never gets roles because she just butchered her what made her great, which was like the kind of like beautiful ugly girl you know i don't think she was ever ugly like when even when she played as jennifer aniston's um younger sister on friends she was never uh yeah. she was never ugly <laughs> sorry i'm not no, no, i'm like you up know. yours woke moralists you know I'm not, <laughs> she was always good looking but now she's she has done some work on her face as they all tend to do yeah but she ruined her nose that's what made her yeah you know? she, that's true she did ruin her nose ruined oh. her nose yeah what scrunchy face do? scrunchy face blonde yeah oh my god a dime a dozen <laughs> these days Reese Witherspoon and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. <laughs> I love this. I thank you, Cody, for... Yeah. I've only seen the first one. I've seen, like, a lot of Texas Chainsaws. But anyways, um, so moving on. Now, what do you want to do, Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah. This is, like, the archetypal rom-com right here. This is... Well, yeah, and I mean, this is based off of An Affair to Remember as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's go for it. So, Sleepless in Seattle. Death is the opening bit there. Uh, Tom Hanks' yeah. wife, Maggie, dies. And 
He's got to get out of Chicago. He's got to escape his... He's got to raise Chet Hayes on his own. (laughs) He's got to raise Chet Hayes as a single father. And he's got to get out of Chicago. He's got to get out of there before the crime gets too bad. And so he goes to Seattle, which, you know, was not a good choice to begin with. But it's the middle of the 1990s. Uh, Frazier is in the midst of it. Uh, So why not have a radio psychiatrist show um, to also be sort of the, the bit here when it comes to it? But I don't know, this, one, this one is the most uh, formulaic rom-com, but it also has Meg Ryan in her most innocent role, I think. Like, she plays far more of the uh, naive, romantic kind of woman that we see in a lot of rom-coms. We're like, is this true? Yeah. Is this fate? Um, we also see, like, the the prelude of, like, what would be millennial children, right? Like, um, that the little girl and... Uh, tom hanks's son in this movie where they're doing like um acronyms for all sorts of texts and, and language that they use like m e f o you know uh or no m f e o made for each other right you know in the letters yeah. and things like that it, it has this weird eerie predictive programming vibe almost to it man it is like there is some yeah yeah but so Rita Wilson was also in this. I believe this is how him and her and uh, Tom Hanks got together. So this mm. movie is pro- probably led to Chet Hanks and White Boy Summer. So <laughs> <laughs> um, Sleepless in Seattle. Why is it? Uh, why is it celebrated as like the archetypal rom com? I feel like okay, there's definitely a template there that led to the Hallmark phenomenon, which is there's always a single parent, like, especially a single father, you'll like, there are probably more single fathers because of like the gynodolatry court system. There's probably more single fathers in rom-coms and Hallmark movies than there is in real life that have sole custody of their kid. And it's always because the wife died or whatever. Like, I feel like that's a pretty solid thing that sleepless led to, but why did it become such an iconic film sleepless in Seattle? I think this I think this has a lot to do with our director and screenplay, um, which is Nora Ephron, yeah, who had done When Harry Met Sally. She also mm-hmm. did Sleepless in Seattle. She also uh, did You've Got Mail. So I, right. I, I'd imagine that these just sort of became the way to go for it. I mean, she's also um, she's also she was married uh, to then Carl uh, Bernstein of Watergate fame, where she had whoa. Wrote, we rewrote a script for all the president's men. Um, oh you know, man. The script wasn't used, but you know, it did get her screenwriting career sort of kicked off. Did you like all the president's men? I have not seen it since no? I have not seen it since high school. So I could not tell you. And I, for senior year, I took a blow off class for film stuff. And that's mm. the only reason why I've seen that movie. But I mean, why would I want to enjoy or celebrate a movie about the role that the press plays in cooming a sitting president of the United States? So yeah, uh, fuck them. One of, ironically enough, one of like probably the best and most intellectual presidents there's ever going to be in America so far. So, um, like it's like Nixon really, I feel like was the last scholar president that we have ever had. Like not even Reagan. You know. Nixon was our guy. I've listened yeah. to those uh, those audio tapes and his positions on what brought the end of civilization. So yeah, yeah. absolutely, he was our guy. If only but he was it, alive today, we could interview him. It'd be great. He probably would. He'd probably be so canceled that he would like be on 
Like he he would go on restoring order and like so Mr. Pre it's sort of like that first of all, I don't know why um Biden RP Griper blocked me, but apparently he blocked everybody. But apparently like you know that one film where it's like uh Earth Rabbit, it's like the edit where Earth Rabbit interviews President Trump. It's like an AI thing. Did I have that. No, I did not. Uh it's pretty hilarious, but um but anyways, yeah, so so this was also inspired by Ghost. And they wanted to get Bette Midler, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just reading the blurb here. But it's, yeah, it has a lot of different influences by, like, different rom-coms. And it's sort of like the ultimate rom-com. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so Baltimore Suns writer Stephen Hunter described the film as shameless romantic fantasy. And its heroine, a sort of icon of nearly pure 50s innocence. So even in the early 90s, it was sort of like tame. It was sort of like a refreshing throwback to like pure romance. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So um, Efren uses an affair to remember to challenge the cinematic joys that pre- uh, predated her own films. Observing the through some film brings at least four female characters to Sears throughout sleeping in Seattle. Um, Efren describes an affair to remember as a running character throughout the film, which Annie routinely refers to a guy as her own uh, love life. Yes. And if you to remember, yeah, well, so, very, yeah, it is kind of like self-referential to another film, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is it's it's yeah. based off of or partially takes influence from and is inserted. It's very in your face, right? About that, this is going to be from, yeah. What's the an, an affair to remember? It's not like they they make it so obvious. It's on the television this whole time, you know, from the 1950s. It's a weird sort of love letter to 1950s romances where things all work out in the end, um, which is actually even an older remake of 1939 from Irene Dunn and Charles Boyer. Yeah. But it, was... it, it's a weird thing to think about because you have a movie that tries to outline the quintessential innocence of like romance, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone acts like a child in, in this, in, in, in like in a puppy love style format, you know, like, the only one that has a remotely realistic understanding of how things work is the divorced fat girl best friend, uh, you know, fat slut friend that everyone kind of has, I think, to some respects uh, in these sort of couplings and pairings and movies and television oh, God. Uh, is Rosie O'Donnell. You know, she's divorced because <laughs> she slept with a guy who like did all their trimmings and tree work. And now she's divorced. Now she's with another man. And, you know, she loves this movie because that's what she wishes it could be. And she's jaded by reality. Um and whereas, you know, this woman, uh, Meg Ryan's character, is already prepped to get married. And she is with Bill Pullman of later, you know, Independence Day fame as the president. Yeah. Uh, but instead, in this one, he plays as this sort of, like, nice guy with a dorky shit ton nerd. of allergies. Dorky nerd. Yeah. Has some sort of, I think, medical background or something like that. He has to go to a convention. And this woman, you know, in her own wet, cold feet type of deal, you know, she listens to this radio broadcast on the other side of the country because uh, she's in Baltimore and he's out in Seattle. And of course, her, um, Tom Hanks's son, whose name is Jonah, uh, you know, calls in and says that my dad needs a wife. Yeah. Um, and this is what kicks it all off because eventually, you know, the Dr. Marsha or whatever her name is on the radio show, like, you know, cajoles to get the dad on, and they're both sitting Dr. there. Dr. Marsha Goyblatstein. No, <laughs> no. Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. <laughs> Fieldstone. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> By the way, before we go on, I need to throw up a gang sign, kind of like in that the yard scene in American History X. 
Uh, throw up internet friends comment. Oh, sure, sure. I was just on uh, Twitter here. Um, playing wingman for... Oh, wait, wrong one. There you go. Any there leaves impression Geo on the fence about whether he's sliding his DMs? He's doing an entire rom-com stream. Is this not endearing? Does it make you swoon? Exactly. There you go. There you go. There you go. Anyways... operators are standing by at the dms waiting for someone to slide in yeah yeah anyways moving on um but of (laughs) course listen you'll never rival my one itis which people people can guess who my one itis is Mm. certain black-haired vampirous woman very witchy woman but anyways you all see someone's gonna say in the comments right now who my one itis is. I can I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for them to type you no sorry G I Jeez Louise. Get in there, gals. Save this man from himself. Exactly. And he, not Kashu Kashuda's married. Come on, bro. You know who like, like come on, you guys know I said black haired woman. Vampires, come on, can't make it any more obvious. I just wait for someone to type G I V. Prude Wojak, Prude Wojak. Um, I use these for my moods. The gifts which is not been given. Yeah, yeah, boyfriend free girl. Well, she is a witchy woman, tail of the ends. And the best part is that you never never know how old she is. Bro, you you know how I'd give anything to date 90s for Usa Balk, even though she's like a LARP pig. Um, Oh, anyways, moving on. So, Sipus in Seattle. Um, this is what the uh good housekeeping said of it. Rebecca Disinski, um, the film is with positive negative aspects. Efren identifies the global village as one of the film's main themes, explaining, quote, We all live in one place and it's connected by airports, by non places. Uh, eight. Uh, 800 number radio stations the same jokes and statistics by the time tom and meg are out of their uh, respective peers sitting on the respective benches you feel like it's a love scene even though they're three thousand miles away so this is sort of like predating the internet age i feel like it's probably um i'm gonna ban city right now actually (laughs) no no i'm kidding i'm kidding um oh my god don't ban the hands that animate us yeah, true, true. But listen, uh, no, ContraPoints is uh, will always be owned by um, by Philosophy Tube. So that's not... always be owned by the deep state. So let's yeah, exactly. Oh, and the deep there. state. Yeah, yeah, and the deep state as well as Philosophy Tube. So, anyways, um, yeah. So I feel like this. It's funny because it's sort of like I said the same thing about video drone, but in a different way. Where they're trying to find ways to preempt the internet and the mass availability of it. So, like, for example, in Videodrome, they use, like, um, homeless shelters that have video, like, they have um, video and TV banks, right? So, Sleepless in Seattle, in a way, it's sort of, like, tries to find clever ways of connecting the characters that the internet would make redundant, like radio stations. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So, if this was more of a film, kind of like You've Got Mail, then it would be, like, way easier. Well, but, this is 1993. Yeah. 
I mean, this is... Also, flight was cheaper back then, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I mean, nothing like a, a, a small child who's like nine or ten years old getting onto a flight and not yeah. and going to New York City and not getting hassled New York City, like, or around. Like just yeah. before Giuliani, New York City. <laughs> yeah, like pre-Giuliani, yeah. New York City. And just, yeah, I'm sure you know, that's totally realistic. <laughs> totally realistic. Nothing ever is going to bad, bad happen to him, you know? Oh, nothing, nothing, you know? And of course that little girl who's like egging him on to like, just do it. You know, like you never know. Um, and in five you short tell, years, like it implies that when they grow up that they're going to be together. So probably. absolutely. And in five short years, of course, later in 1998, we get, you've got mail. Um, I feel like that was the movie that she, Nora Ephron wanted to write. and had to wait, I guess, for the tech to catch up. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, this, this movie is, it has everything that I see in all other rom-coms. Yeah, you have sort of the it's ugly the Ur or jaded. Yeah, it is the it's the Ur rom com, and you know she's got Rosie O'Donnell as the like jaded romantic best friend who can only live vicariously through the innocence of other rom coms because she's been jaded by her own decisions. Uh, Meg Ryan plays as the the innocent character who still thinks that love or true love and connections and love at first sight can be real, and you know. And at the same time, right, Tom Hanks plays as a much more realistic guy where he's just like, yeah. it's, and I love this line because he's yelling about, about this woman, about meeting her in New York City because her, her son, his son is setting it up. And he's all like, well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to go meet this woman. We're going to have a getaway at the Holiday Inn. And he's like, it's the 1990s. Nobody's getting laid but me. And I was going to say, this smells a lot of griperous anti-feminism as well. Like it's got, they mentioned this in the reviews where they'd said that, um, he mentions like, you know, in the era of quote, third wave feminism in the nineties, that he's the only guy that's going to get laid. And that like, basically the dawn of the incel is upon us, which even back in like, when was this made? 1993. Okay. I was only one years old. Um, what month in 93? Uh, what month in 93? That's a great question. Let's go find out real quick. I may have only been a few months old in 93. June point. 25th, 1993. Oh my God. It was only <laughs> like four months, five months old. Yeah. When this film was made, uh, released. So, um, yeah. Cause I was born in 92, but in December 23rd, 92. So, um, yeah. So I was only, yeah. Yeah. But so this is like, it's aware of how like living in like urbanite America, like, you know, there's sort of like still is like, the culture war, like you could still see like a little shade of it, but the culture war was much less developed. It was sort of like the acknowledgement of like, oh yeah, you know, the feminists. Like it wasn't like a big deal the way it would become when, you know, the millennials came up. So no, I, I, mean, I, I did enjoy no, the, Nobody knew what incel meant in anything, but, but there was like, a, there was a discussion yeah. though this in the wall in the film as well because it's yeah, just like right. you had three people or three people sitting at a desk it's rosie o'donnell and two other sort of mainstay 1990s like character actors that you've probably seen in every other sitcom in your life and they're all arguing about getting married i can't believe rosie o'donnell's base nowadays i can't believe that man like but, it's... you know they were they were all over they were talking about like the the odds of you getting married after 40 because they are all talking about this like radio station and the yeah. call like, well, it's almost impossible to get married after 40. And you have this like lanky Norwood fella, the the fat guy, and yeah. then Rosie O'Donnell on the table. And then Meg Ryan walks in with the ideal attainability, the ideal romantic innocence. And she's like, What are you three losers talking about? What are you like balding fat bastards Norwood complaining in. about? Yeah, you Norwood cells. In cells, fem cells, yeah. 
you know, and she's like, I think that love is possible. And it's like, well, you've kind of got everything going for you. Um, and what makes it worse, right, is that she's a journalist and he's an architect and it's a very urban coast to coast film. And like, you know, this this call happens and the sun lets all these love letters come in. And again, we get this sort of like we got to shit on flyover country. It's like, do you even know where Oklahoma is? And he's like, kids, like, I don't know, somewhere in the middle. And he's just like, yeah, somewhere in the middle. And he points to like a map of the U.S., which is conveniently on the wall. Let's go have someone close by, not anybody from the middle. Uh, it's mm, just like, oh, yeah. mm. you know, there the you beginnings. Go. I mean, this isn't the beginnings. There's been a million movies about coastal shit because that's where all the cities are. But, you know, there you go. But also, like, it talks more about fem cells because, like, the, the, the fat guy, he's like, well, a lot of these women, they're desperate, you know, marry a guy. Like, it's like the, the it's like, in fact, it was still an era where, like, it was easier as a dude to find someone than as a woman that was like over the age of 40 and single. So like it basically like talked about fem cells before we even know what a fem cell was. So it's like, I found that quite funny how in the mid nineties, the early mid nineties, it was still like the presumption that, you know, as a man, it was probably easier than as a woman. Yeah. The we're yeah, it was actually 93 was virgin. Exactly. So, um, and it would be that yeah. way until like the the sex comedies of the early aughts died out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but one one side note, Mister Patchouli, um, who is the the Canadian uh, th- was on Rebel Media, the Canadian Lauren Southern. Ca- Lauren Southern is a Canadian. Ro- Lauren Southern. People forget that she's Canadian. She well, she lives in Australia now, but um, people forget that she was a Leaf. So, um, but anyways, yeah. So it's the dynamic I found interesting like the social dynamic of it because nowadays we live in such a different world with like the incel and the fem cell that it's like i couldn't imagine a film like this getting made nowadays like you know what would it be it would be achilles in that uh <laughs> it would be achilles in that girl with the the only well I, we said i think we said this before we went live or maybe we mentioned earlier but like I, I look at this film and I think about it in today's context where someone, let's say an older gentleman, uh, yeah. mid to late 30s, or maybe even over 40 to continue on with the, the discussion here, was that a man loses his wife yeah. and he and he personalized. Okay, I'm going to make a terrible, terrible um, connection here. Oh, God. Someone of prominent fame loses his wife. Yes. And he is struck by it harshly. Mm-hmm. He has children. And he blogs about it and he puts it out onto Twitter and it's propagated everywhere and yeah. all over the world. And especially in America where he lives. Would he get sympathy um, for it? He would get sympathy for it. And mm. there would be people looking for him. Right. But it's not by the pressure of his child because, in fact, a man has his own needs and his own interests. In this blog, he does call for anyone available, you know, for a boyfriend free girl. And the oh, people I know. answer oh, and respond. God, I just got it. I oh. and indeed the 2023 remake of Sleepless in Seattle is a dark be, elf remake. Would be a dark elf remake starring Curtis Yarvin and women of all sorts of ages out there. Sleepless in Substack, you know, it'd be like that. Sleepless in Substack. Oh, <laughs> um, bro, that's so brutal. That's so brutal. Like that's <laughs> that's true. It's true. No, it, yeah, it, it happened. It's true. It happened. Um, I mean, today someone could probably, although it'd be, I think if it were not someone, if it were someone not like him, it would be someone on Twitter doing this lengthy thread about his lost wife 
And yeah. then maybe you could have his son take over the Twitter account every now and then saying X, Y, and Z about wanting to help him find somebody. Um, but it would be sort of being like laughed at with derision being like, lol, whatever, you know, like you're lonely. And it would be an e-girl art ho, and it would be, yeah, from Dime Square in New York. And it would be like Curtis Yarvin, the reactionary blogger. Like, yeah. Come, <laughs> come on down to San Francisco or something, you know, and then like, the live stream, she would like put a super chat in to uh, follow the rules on the live stream. And it'd be like, yeah, or, or she go. comments on the substack and he looks at it and he doesn't know what to make of it. So rather than replying to the, the comment directly, he like, you know, finds her through like the subscriber email list and then emails <laughs> yeah. her directly and then all sorts of shenanigans ensue and uh, we're left heartbroken because it seems like it won't work out. And then, you know, they somehow meet at the top of the Empire State Building like yeah. they planned. Although everyone's like stream sniping, so this like poor fuckers are getting like mugs <laughs> by the good. crowd as they're going. They're like, oh, it's the sleepless and substack fucker. Like, we better go harass him or It'd whatever. Be, it would be like Baked Alaska in that one schizophrenic girl. Like, <laughs> IRL stream. <laughs> yeah. um, you know. Oh, physical could, kelp is in the chat. And it could be like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, he goes up to the Empire State Building, but he gets like knocked out. You know, and, it, and it'll be like of Ethan Ralph in, in the streets of Spain. It'd be, it'd be pants. It would be it would be pants and Ethan Ralph. Oh, oh my god! So these things uh, can happen, and I'm sure that they do happen every day because people meet on Twitter, people meet online, and that's the what nature Cody of Browning communication. Said, is. Curtis and you know who? Oh no 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 no! No, no, no. no it'd be a real woman. Um, yeah, it'd be Curtis Amari. It'd be Curtis Amari. Ethan Ralph takes over Rosie O'Donnell's role. Yeah, let's see, that works. Maybe, maybe. Work. Depends. It depends on like if he's divorced or not. Nowadays, <laughs> I think did Pansu leave? I don't know. I haven't kept up with the drama. I but... don't keep up with any of these people. I rely no. on you and other people to tell me um, what the hell's going on in e drama from people that were yeah remotely relevant. Six. Years I think ago. it was Cody that said the dark romance between Mar- uh, Margot and Radek. You know, you know what's crazy though. Radic was only eighteen at the time. That's not too. How old was Margot? If anyone was she only like was she sixteen, and he was eighteen. Like I feel like I shouldn't say. Okay, I know we shouldn't talk about. But it was age or or men. but I mean, what's the other aspect of this in regards to relationship stuff? Is is that what what else do you get? What was that? Um youtube pop star that came out and said that like her manager boyfriend or whatever was like grooming her and things like that um i'm trying to remember his name he was like he got in a lot of trouble in the me too stuff in 2018 um oh um who a writer no 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 so like the woman is a youtube music person and like she had came out during like the Me Too thing and saying like, oh no, like he was really into like these kind of creepy things, and he had done this with other women. Titanic Sinclair, thank you, no name. Oh, I didn't thank- even know about this, Lord. Yeah, yeah, Titanic Sinclair. Um, and like I feel like that happens more often than not when it comes to the issues of, um, you know the the yeah. Mars Argo stuff or no Poppy Poppy's who it was glamorizing you know often oh God, don't mention Onision I'm holy oh crap. that too right like these are the things that happen I find and um that would happen more often than this like you know 
sleepless in Seattle bit, you know, like, oh, it's the sun that really kickstarts it all off. But nowadays it'd be, it'd just be like a Twitch a, streamer. It'd be a Twitch streamer, yeah, or some younger man, home. you know, looking for an art ho GF out there. Like, can we make it real? And it's like, no, actually, we just need you to like find this guy's like, it would be gross or with some British slug. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be like really niche specific, like fetish stuff while, you know, he can like maintain the semblances of a relationship um you know but instead of it being public drama because you know thousands of people had heard this radio broadcast you know it's it's maybe a few books survive like leaving the one silicon valley woman that he impregnated how do you like um we were all respectful enough to not mock him talk about it and talk about it the amount well a lot of people marked it no i mean oh i'm sure that they did i just yeah i I didn't no we did yeah i know but i mean yeah i guess people just collectively decided to drop it because, like, after that sub-stack, it was, like, I guess it was more or less amicable. Mm. So, you know. I think I think Default knows her. They're friends with her. But uh. she's friends with everybody as a federal agent. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Good lord. <laughs> Good lord. Um, it's, it's starting to sound like Nutcranker. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Dan on, actually. That book is so good. Uh, I think we should get him on next week to talk about short stories or something like yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. Because yeah. speaking of which, um, as we are as we are live on air, our friend Lomez is re- doing the Passage Prize winners make a thread. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, maybe you write adaptation. Well, there you go. Mm. We do need a we do need it as a script though. Uh, but if anyone knows the ages of Mark, I know that Radek was only eighteen years old, and she was like, I think she was sixteen. That's not like end of the oh i shouldn't even say that publicly but what do you think of a 16 year old and 18 year old prude depends on the country depends on the social norms and if the parents know or not yeah true yeah but i feel like that's my that's cop deep out lore. yeah and i don't know what on earth you're talking about you don't know the deep lore between margo and radic i don't know no i don't and i'm do you know I'm the deep going, lore between lucas and i'm uh, going Rimuru? to be happy by simply not knowing <laughs> Feigning ignorance in all things is the way to get far in life. True. It's very um, true. Do you know the deep lore between uh, Rumoru and uh, Lucas? I rely on you for all internet e-drama deep lore, Geo. Please don't. So don't, Lucas. No, no, don't. Okay, never mind. It's too dark. It's too disturbing. Nutcranker starring Logo in theaters is April. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I want that Spencer Power, uh, but it's the it's the logo giving the middle finger with the with the jewel. <laughs> I feel like yeah, so Passage Prize they released in Qualified Reservations Volume One, but I'm crossed between supporting my friend Lomez and not supporting Moldvin, so it's like I don't know what to do in this case. Well, um, I, I did buy um because I think Imperium Press has the rights to yeah, it was Imperium Press that has yeah. uh, the Dark Enlightenment from Nick Lamb. Yeah, yeah. I bought that. Hmm. So, um, <laughs> made Prude turn into a musical. Yeah, here's some deep uh, Prudentialist lore. I did theater in college. So Yeah, and I think you said I, that before. Yeah, and I do, uh, and I'm learning all the Byzantine tones for our choir at church. So, yeah, I mean, this is sort of what I'm... <laughs> yeah. That's my background a little is, bit. Is Moldbug's ex a wood? Um, yeah, she's nice. She's a nice woman. She's not like... You know, she's nerdy girl. I have nothing bad to say about her. I probably, I, I mean, I don't know. 
Excess of Liberty, I did a whole stream on Stephen Sondheim's company and its interpretation in 2023 about oh, yeah, marriage. Like, don't yeah. start with me. Don't start with me. I'm the last heterosexual that gives a shit about theater. I hate musicals, though. I just don't... I like theater. I just don't like musicals. I, I love Sondheim. He's my primary exception for musicals. Uh, Assassins I mean, is a great dark comedy. I say that, but, like, I, I don't know. I just... I like proper theater. I like proper classical theater. Ah well. I wanted I wanted to go to the Shaw Festival to see Mahabharata before the the you know what hit, but mm. apparently it's playing again. So I, maybe I'm gonna go see you it with my Yeah, but it's it's a long one though. But it's it is a nice one because it, the, I had the Don Giovanni play in Dallas not too long ago. I went to that. It was nice. fantastic. But like Mahabharata is like a dramatic interpretation of the Mahabharata, so that might be good. You know. Like because I you know I've been if I live I live pretty close to the whole Shaw Festival thing so yeah anyways moving on so Sleepless in Seattle um <laughs> taking back theater from the Rainbow Coalition um so so then like the very end I feel like a lot of like again what I noticed with the Meg Ryan and um, Tom Hanks films is that the actual romance part isn't like it's the final burst at the end. It's not like a lingering. It's not like watching a serious romantic drama where the romance sort of lingers. It's not like watching. Um, I'm trying to think here. The, the, this is I the thing though about any romances, but the not thing like, about this in Seattle yeah. and then later you've got mail is, is that both of those movies, the, the most unrealistic thing about them besides the romantic premise themselves is that for Meg Ryan and, for tom hanks and you've got mail which we'll get into but i mean yeah they both don't ever consider the fallout of their of their uh relationships ending like bill pullman who they've probably invested a lot of time into you know planning the wedding getting their families on board doing everything like that they just break up and everything's fine you know and like bill pullman's just like well, you know, I don't want you to like settle for me or whatever. So I wanted like that. And Bill Pullman's just like, if it were me, my brain is thinking like, really, we're about to get married. You know, things seem great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to whisk away for some, uh, you know, radio drama guy that you've been like thinking about and falling for it. And it's just like, I'd be telling you to go, you know, screw yourself. Like, mm. please cop the cactus, get ran over by a moving bus. Like, this is bullshit um we've wasted how much money how many years of my life for this potential thing to work out and you're wanting to <laughs> if anything the real red pill out of all of this is that there are women like that and you should avoid them at all costs oh yeah definitely bill pullman was in lost highway that was a great film yep yeah man that was great um but no but yeah it's it's just the whole premise i feel is kind of like <laughs> <laughs> should have revolved who's banging your sister yeah that should have been the case that would have been amazing um no, but I feel like, I mean, obviously the premise is absurd because you have like the whole, like this national radio show having like desperate romantic women chasing one dude with a sob story. Like it, it would, like it is. And the kid like just randomly picks out Meg Ryan's character and what it to be like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. Um, it's, it's like, but then if you suspend don't, your don't, disbelief, don't, don't talk shit about David Lynch. I don't, <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh, no, oh, there man, are a few things done? I tolerate on what this have you earth, done? And, and one of them is I do not tolerate disrespecting David Lynch. 
I care about when it's Friday, what the weather is like, and the amazing, crazy world of Twin Peaks. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I don't ban anyone, but Prude, I've seen you like go off on like that one guy that asked if you had sex before. And then you're like, more sex than you'll ever imagine. Like, it's, I remember that. That was crazy. That was like a year and a half ago. Jesus yeah, Christ. I still remember that. <laughs> it was a prude going off moment. Um, I, I don't have too many of those. I try yeah. not to. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I've I've gone off before. But, yeah, so the thing, okay, so the, the premise is inherently ridiculous. But I do feel like the radio thing is sort of like, um, what was that other one with the radio? That the other romantic film mm. that had to do with the radio, where they were talking to each other, maybe even just a, I mean, maybe it was a short film. I forget. I, I don't know. Just... The only other movie that has a, a lot of emphasis in this point in time with a radio is Frequency, but that's about a crime. Yeah, yeah, but but no, but oh, the, then there's like Serendipity, right? Where it's connected by a book, so it's like that weird. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, a lot of rom-coms have the sort of suspension. Oh man, of, that's a John Cusack movie. Good yeah, lord. Yeah. I like the one I like the romantic comedy where he's an assassin. That was pretty cool. Um anyways, uh I've seen High Fidelity and then that weird yeah. Edgar Allan Poe movie he did circa twenty twelve, and that's been oh, yeah. all of my John Cusack uh movies. I've seen quite a bit of John Cusack. He's pretty good as like a crazy psychopath. He's pretty good at that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, Sleepless in Seattle, I think it does hit a lot of buttons for women, though. Like, it does have the whole, you know what I mean? Like, sensitive, sensitive older man, not sensitive young man, um, but sensitive guy. Sensitive widower. Sensitive widower. Yeah. It's usually like a tearjerker that's like taking care of a kid. And it's, yeah, for some reason, like, but I feel like the audience for Sleepless in Seattle is much different than the, the female audience nowadays that probably wouldn't have that same level of sympathy. Well, like, isn't that what the, like, I think Joshua's comment here is pretty on point. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. These, these have been yeah. replaced by the bachelor and yeah. all those grotesque, like Island big brother style television shows. So, cause it's all more yeah. voyeuristic in which we can extrapolate what our life would be like. Um, if we were to live through these people. I mean, they have the, the MILF show now, MILF Manor, where it's like... That kills me, because this the is... The fantasy that, of, like, fucking... That joke, your, that joke yeah, is straight up a, a joke from uh, fucking 30 Rock. Yeah. Like, in the background, yeah. they're like MILF Island, and they're just like, you know, a bunch of, like, 15-year-old <laughs> boys with, like, you know, MILFs, and it's just like, this is a joke in, like, 2006, and now yeah. it's television in 2023. Like, God bless. No, Honey Bite is right. The, the internet has turned us all into voyeurs. Yes. Like, there was a great, like, independent romance film I watched with the internet called Sex and Lucia that was, like, pretty, like, it was a more realistic depiction of, like, what romance would look like in the early internet where it would, like, weave a story into it. Like, um, even, like, if you read uh, House of Leaves, you could say that, like, this, the sub-story with Johnny Truant is sort of like that, like, the hopeless romantic story you know what i mean like it there is no hopeless romanticism anymore it's always like a fantasy it's always like um like woman bait like you know femme cell bait or it's like some kind of like perfect world uh female fantasy which is basically just like emotional pornography which is hallmark there's no like real gritty defeatist like there's independent films like that um 
but there's no like real like gritty romance films anymore i feel like they're gone Mm. you know what i mean like there's just i mean maybe i'm not paying attention but i noticed like the whole um like that's why i love exotica because exotica was like the gritty romance film uh that i felt was like very meaningful and because it had because it like has to do with a lot of like the typical adam mcgowan uh themes of forgotten memories you know what i mean uh it, but nowadays would sleep so i guess finally when they do meet uh the whole like surprise of like the kid forgot his bag in the empire state building at the top and like she's there and there's not a lot of like lingering in the carnality of romance mm. but do you think this film could survive nowadays do you think like they could remake this film what would it look like I, I fear I even fear oh, a million to ask times that more diverse. Let's let's go yeah. get that out of there. Like this is why um, I'm writing that review for La La Land. I know I covered it on to Cameron last year with Frody, but uh, which I know he hates me for making him watch that damn movie. <sighs> the reason why I find it to be um, like that movie to be like so seminal for what it is because it's a failed love letter to Hollywood, and yeah. it and it's the last movie that really did well, I think for sort of a romantic, well done storytelling. I mean, it's competent. I don't want to give it too much credit. Well, I but guess Ryan Gosling films are like gritty romance films. But that, they kind of yeah. all are. Um, into some respect. But the thing is, is it's two straight white leads. It tells a classic romance story, but it dies in the midst of the Oscar moment that it has mm. in 2017, because it's famously snubbed for gay, black drug addict, Oscar bait, Moonlight. And moonlight aesthetically is like the the visuals are good but moonlight's terrible like it's pr- it's pure pause propaganda and so they're, they're those things are gone um, yeah that's it i feel like moonlight was like a word like a film reviewer youtuber theory se- like word cell bait but it really I mean, was it, like- it, it's a movie for underweight skinny millennial white guys that do video essays to talk about film it's a Jacob Geller's perfect film. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's funny how our friend Kino Corner has like more of a high testosterone level than all of them. Like you imagine him and Jacob Geller in a fight, like that never were. Yeah, if... Kino Corner would curb stomp him. Oh man, it'd be it'd be American History X style. <laughs> <laughs> American History X over the Criterion Collection and just. You know. <laughs> people don't know this, but Kino Corner is way more based than people than he lets on in public. But I'm just gonna—I shouldn't say that. But like, he's our guy. Put it this way: Kino Corn is our guy. Uh, so he's like, like, uh, even if he wasn't my friend, like, even if I don't, like, even if I don't like talk to you, wasn't my friend, I would still say that Kino Corn is probably the best video essayist, like film reviewer, Kino video essayist. My opinion. Mm. I just you like he knows what he's talking about. He cares about what he's doing all these guys that do these like millennial film review video essays, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They don't know anything about Heidegger. They don't know anything about any, like they don't know anything about Brisson. They don't know nothing. They just, it's the same pap over and over and over again. The bread tube adjacent film reviewer, millennial essayist is like trash. And it's just like, words cannot describe how much I hate these people. Honestly, it's like, these people are terrible. Like it's, anyways let's move on let's move on so yeah obviously sleepless in seattle would be a diversity fest nowadays um they would try to shoehorn in so many like terrible tropes i don't know well i feel like they've tried to do that though with um most recently jonah hill's you people where you know we have a white 
we have, well, not white. We have a Jewish family and then like a black family. And I think Eddie Murphy is basically Louis Farrakhan in that film. Oh yeah, he's like a and and, and because yeah. uh, Jonah Hill is uh, allowed to ha- be openly racist, uh, they CGI like the kiss scene at the end. I only I wonder why he's allowed. I only know this because on Twitter. Yeah, um, but we know why. Well, of uh, course, he's not going to experience yeah. the fallout of being racist. Of, of course not. He's yeah. protected. You know, is, 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 is Marlon Brando old? found out towards the end of his life? You know. Oh God! <laughs> is you people good though? Is it worthy of a watch or no? No, I'm not watching. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm making that clear right now. Let's not get the idea we're going to review that movie. <laughs> no, he's got the trash core aesthetic though. He's got the the garbage core look though. Mm. He's got like the Hassan Piker fashion sense. He hasn't Anyways, gotten, he hasn't gotten fit enough though to fight. Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't, Jonah wouldn't Hill work. needs to get shredded and start beating the shit out of people in the ring, and then he can <laughs> maybe be respectable. Maybe, yeah. It would. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that Hassan finally bo- blocked Sam Hyde on Twitter? I did. Yeah. What a pussy, man! Like he was, <laughs> he was talking about like people are benefiting off insulting me. It's like it's a violent environment. Like they're fostering a negative environment. It's like fuck off, dude. Like just. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people would respect... Take the L, bro. No, but people would respect him if he, like, leaned into Sam Hyde hating him. Like, if he's like, you know what? Let's fight. Let's fight. Like, because I feel like his son probably could be, like, physically... Like, Sam Hyde would win that boxing match. But I feel like Hassan probably would be physically capable enough to go in the ring with Sam Hyde. You know, to Mm -hmm. go in the squared circle. It's just, like... I feel like the problem is when people A-log you, if you lean into it a little bit, like this is like the camp bot maxim right here. Don't like let people know that the a logs are like getting to you. If Hassan were to like lean into it with Sam Hyde, I feel like people would respect him more. You know what I mean? Like that's I shouldn't even be able to. See, I shouldn't even say that because it's it's intuitive. Well, this is why it's also intuitive yeah. to never express weakness on the internet or to blab too much about your personal life. Exactly. Although I I make that mistake. A There's lot. a cult of authenticity which I think is respectable in some people that can pull it off well. Like yeah. if you're if you don't go out of your way to be a total asshole on the internet, I think that you can probably pull it off. But then to some degree, right? Like depending on what your shtick is, the yeah. moment you cross a certain line, it. You know, it's to say over. like Hassan, like he, they're normalizing violence against me. Like, s- shut the fuck up, bro. Just be like, just try to like diffuse the anger of like Sam. Hyde no, just step days. up and get into the ring and end the shit. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, moving on. So, so final words on Sleepless in Seattle. Is it um, yay or nay? I mean, I. It's a movie that I will not ever be made again, and they will yes. remake it, and it will be awful. But you know, yeah. we can we can enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, it 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 definitely is kind of tropey. You know oh, what I yes. mean? Like hundred percent. This is paint by the numbers. This you could ever get. Yeah, but yet it becomes like it's so paint by numbers that it like goes above the herd of other rom coms that was that were being made at the time. And by the time you have like. I mean, this is the same yeah. person who wrote When Harry Met Sally. So, I mean, yeah, let's not kid ourselves. I feel like, though, there is a devolution between, like, Meg Ryan to... Who's who's after Meg Ryan? Cameron Diaz? Rom-com bait? Uh, her and then... Well, there was, like, the, 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 the... What's her name? The Irish one for a little bit there. 
Yeah. McDowell? Yeah, Ronnie McDowell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Roddy, but... um. What's her name? McDowell. I'm just looking it up. Um, you know, she was in Five Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell, yeah. So there was her... Um, then, then you would say like, by the time you get to like Cameron Diaz and Catherine Heigl, the rom-com is done for the rom-com in the hands of millennials, like the hands of like later. It's the same thing with like Richard Gere doing a lot of like romantic films too. Like he kind of had that role. Renee Zellweger as well. Renee Zellweger. Yeah. yeah, Although um, I think her best stuff is on the stage, not the, uh, not the movies. There's a reason why she does a lot of voice work now, kids. Yeah. Did Richard Gere do, um, the oh we're, oh we're forgetting what's your face that did um be- not beautiful woman uh pretty woman yeah what's her name we're forgetting her name uh julia roberts julia roberts yeah we're forgetting the era of julia roberts okay now pretty woman is terrible because it's unrealistic was richard gear in pretty woman was richard gear the yeah okay yeah okay. 1990 yeah, makes sense. so makes yeah, so you have this free-spirited war. Hollywood prosty. Exactly. So you have this war between like Julia Roberts and Meg Ryan. Like, so it's one I, of my favorite Norm McDonald jokes ever. Is that all women want to feel like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman until <laughs> their boyfriend shows up with a prostitute at their birthday party? Yeah, exactly. So, um, wish <laughs> Chappelle's Pretty Woman skit. Um, <laughs> we're forgetting. Yeah, we're forgetting J Lo as well. I'm not a big fan. Like. The the J Lo one where she's a maid and like the rich guy is uh was it Hugh Grant was the rich guy I, I forget so. what movies has she been in oh yeah we're also forgetting McConaughey and Kate Hudson here yeah. there's like there's so much deep lore to rom com oh and the wedding planner which is is also McConaughey wedding planner yeah McConaughey how to how to how to lose your what was that how to lose your guy in ten how days how to lose a guy in ten days yeah oh and then of forgetting... course that's where Matthew McConaughey really gets into as yeah. well as rom coms. But I feel McConaughey is better outside of rom-coms, though. But that's where he got his start, is what I'm yeah. saying. Like, he had Failure yeah. to Launch, Ghosts of C- Girlfriend's Past, um, things like that. Well, of course we have, uh, you know, of course we have What's-Her-Face, um, who became a director after, and who now is uh, basically the Hollywood emissary for trans women, Dylan Mulvaney. Um, oh. What's her name? It's not Reese Witherspoon. It's um... no. I can't believe I forgot her name. She was like the Hollywood it girl. She was like the pure product of Hollywood. That was in like you know, uh, that was with um, where she was. She had amnesia with uh, oh god. Oh, overboard. The chick from overboard. overboard. No, no, yeah, Goldie Hawn, Goldie Hawn. But no, I'm talking. This is a millennial. This is like Gen X or millennial. The movie now. got remade. Is what I'm saying, and it, it got a, yeah. a modern twist on it Anna fit no it's not Anna Ferris although she's done a shit ton of Drew Barrymore Drew Barrymore my god I can't believe I forgot Drew Barrymore yeah Drew Barrymore all right we're, we're this is going on too long yeah the Drew Barrymore and uh I'm yeah. married if you can't tell well good for you Joshua oh boy um we're is, not uh, physical kelp are you single she's single if she's watching this show I'd imagine she's single okay at least we have yeah we're, well, Kate is married. She watches our show, and she's married, unfortunately. So, how much was... like, how much damage did Chasing Amy do to Gen X and Millennial? Oh, I... terrible damage! Terrible damage! Yeah, yeah, terrible damage. Um, <laughs> J Lo is so you know. In the That's just done. true. 
There's no lie in that statement at all. <laughs> I think, I think, honest to God, Jayla is probably the reason why all modern romance pairings with straight white men are with ethnically ambiguous women. Yeah, that's true. I'm not married, but my wife is. <laughs> we should have default to do this episode with us. I feel bad now because default probably watches a lot of rom coms. Anyways, moving on. Finally, for round like the, the for we went from the mid card. All yeah, Pel- oh, Penelope Cruz. We forgot Penelope Cruz. No, true. Penelope I don't like Cruz. her though. She's mousy. I don't like Penelope Cruz. You know what the best is? Um, in Blow, where uh, Penelope Cruz was it Blow where she calls um she, she calls Johnny Depp the F slur, mm. and she's like, "Are you a?" F-? Yeah, I'm not gonna say it, but you know, it was pretty keno. Um, anyways, from the mid card to the top of the card, this is the 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 title the heavyweight title match. You've got mail. you've got mail. Now we're getting into the internet age right here. I like you got mail. My I was biting my fingernails to finally do the reveal that that actually you like uh, this movie. Fox. I like this movie. I was but I, I I was like, it's him, it's him, it's him. Near the end, I was like, man, please just tell me, just please reveal, do the reveal, do the reveal, get it over with, please. <laughs> um, it was good though. I liked it because he's like the the boorish asshole capitalist like jeff bezos just crushing the competition just like you know business is warfare gordon gecko and he's also like you know he's basically the proto um the proto jeff bezos yeah i was about to say that because that's how amazon gets started to selling books and yeah you know uh to me it's like the mom and pop bookstore (laughs) it's like if jeff bezos met his next woman rather than just by working out and buying them he like destroys her mom and pop brick (laughs) business store because he lobbied politicians for covid lockdowns and yeah he gets her to fall in love with her after you know just commenting on the forums about like save my website you know meg ryan really is the corporate war bride in this she really is you know (laughs) Tom Tom Hanks is the you know he's got yeah. that like chorus of people just buying out all these stores and real estate and that's the war bride right there. Is yeah, Ryan. yeah. How many how many Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore films are there besides oh. Punch Drunk Love? There's probably quite a few. I don't know. He's still doing weird rom yeah. shit into his fifties now. He did one with Jennifer Aniston on Netflix a while. Really? Back. Yeah. I don't like Jennifer Aniston. She's aged well. Yeah, she's aged well, but like she's kind of. She's a very wooden actress. Well, very well, wooden. I mean, you're not. I don't think I'm there for the acting, buddy. I'm there for um, true. I'm there. Yeah. I'm, that's that, that's an eye candy thing. I like Courtney Cox better than her in in the friend circle. Mm. But anyways, I actually kind of liked uh, Tom Hanks's uh, like like bitchy girlfriend here. What's her face? She's also like a. She's like a she's an editor or something, a book publisher. Yeah, she's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know what I don't remember what she does actually. Um, yeah, she's I, like I know I, I I love I love uh, Meg Ryan's boyfriend though in this film. Yeah, he's, he's like he is, the, he's, he's like the totally prototype like, for everything that I yeah, see on Greg Twitter Kinnear? nowadays. Yeah, Greg Kinnear is like the millennial. Like Greg Kinnear would be a millennial blogger or writer that has a job as a columnist at the New Yorker and yeah. is like your shit lib blue check mark on Twitter. He, he's as like the cartoon avatar of all the New Yorker writers. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, yeah. you know, and he's on he's on television talking about why to save the bookstore. You know, it's got this Jeffersonian attitude yeah. about it. You know, and it's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got DMs. <laughs> you got DMs. That's so true. He'd be canceled. He'd be like uh Virgil Texas or Sam Chris. He'd be canceled by answering DMs by e girls. So <laughs> you know he'd be you know you know what he'd be he'd be compossible packs. Compossible facts and he'd say the piss part is true. So oh, you know he'd be dating that OnlyFans girl, the the Irish, the Irish domestic violence face OnlyFans girl, Bibo. Yeah. What's her name? Bebo. Something um, like that. Yeah. So he'd be like that, like the total like insufferable lib. But I feel like the lib of, okay, the lib of New York in the '90s was sort of like the proto like millennial like shit lib nowadays that writes the new yorker but mm-hmm. it was sort of like you, you don't you don't like really take them seriously it's sort of like i can't believe you didn't vote i can't believe you voted for Rudy giuliani it's like nobody cares get the hell out of here well, i love that part too where her because yeah. they're like going to the movies right yeah or it yeah. all breaks up and it's like your grandmother you know dated or slept with francisco franco and it's just like the total shit lib, like wall of text goes out. I know, I understand, but like authoritarian fascist dictators, you can't sleep with those people. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, this is aged so well. And in the end, when they mutually break up, it reveals that her, his love interest I didn't love is you like either. Rep- I didn't love you all at all. Let me guess, she's a Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a Republican. So he's sort of like he's sort of like the liberal art hoe, but like the male version of the art hoe. Yeah, he's the, he's the yeah. liberal. He's the liberal, uh, like writer that is like secretly into like the fash imagine if virgil taxes dated like a sun and red e-girl <laughs> like a like a yeah like an eco-fash sun and red posting like e-girl It'd be like but i feel like that wouldn't work nowadays it would be like i don't know oh you like, could wh- and i mean could what, work. what's worse is, is that they've they've done this they, they have well to some extent they have this netflix um original where it's about like a uh, this sort of rambunctious sort of woman who like shacks up with a marine and like she's a total shit lib and he's like ah we gotta go kill insert slur here (laughs) and they try and make it work gotta go merc the hajis yeah yeah yeah, basically and i'm thinking to myself i see what they're trying to do here but yeah it doesn't it doesn't really work being a military grad brad did you uh say hajis a lot like did people like no not no i no, not really. I didn't, at least. I mean, my my father wasn't infantry, so I don't think I had the the uh, same lingo, the, the same um, you know, desire to go murder every brown person I saw. <laughs> although, the, 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 although the, the, the day, trans- although the day you got um, the day that Osama bin Laden was allegedly killed, I swear to you, it was like we won the World Cup. It was a military yeah. base. It was in high school. There, nothing got done that day. It was like, whoa! You know, it was like everyone had like American flags running down the halls. They had like USA painted on their faces. I swear it was like we had just won the Super Bowl or something. And everyone yeah. was just like... They were playing God Bless the USA again. Yeah, it was just like Toby Keith was on the damn PA system. You were like, let's fucking go. And nowadays, <laughs> like, you know, I you look back on that and you're like, oh, you know, if only I knew that things were going to be... Yeah, um, how bad things are going to be. How bad this. things were going to be. Yeah. You know, but in 2011, my brain was just like, woo, you know, everything. Because, like, I even remember in elementary school, like, because they had a little, like, my elementary school teacher, she had this, like, um, current events thing where every person would go out and talk about the news. And I remember one time where someone brought in their copy of Stars and Stripes and be like, we got him. And it was a picture of Saddam Hussein. Oh and it was God. just like, 
it's a totally different world. And nowadays, you're just like nowadays oh. Saddam would be. If it happened nowadays, people would be selling like they'd be cheering for Saddam rather than there'd be there'd be like know. um Saddam Hussein Giga Chad edits or there'd be Saddam wave. Yeah, it'd be Saddam wave. And this is and this is to and again, I've seen more um live shows of country music artists during the early and mid 2000s as a child i've seen i've met toby keith on more than one occasion because of it whoa um as a child just because how like, many hey, military songs does toby keith have there's like quite a, a whole quite there's quite a few of that early 2000s yeah. bit um you know i'm pretty sure we've already seen saddam wave yes there's a a guy that in jay burden's chat that literally goes by saddam hussein and it's because he'll play the role up that he is still saddam hussein they didn't hang him in 2008 or whatever. that was a body with, double with with shady um cell phone footage saddam yeah saddam hussein is uh holding out in uh in lebanon and he's watching uh reactionary youtubers nowadays that's <laughs> that's and no one believes him yeah, no, you believe I mean, it. It's it's me. You know, I survived. I want my shit from Baghdad back. You know. Yeah, if he takes over Baghdad again, he's gonna create the like the paradise of reactionary. Uh, he's gonna create tr- Club Tropical Excellence in Baghdad. He'll rebuild so, his palace. So, but default, what is the ultimate girl boss rom com? Because default was saying that there's girl boss rom coms. I'm, I'm sure thinking. I'm sure like the any Catherine Heigl film could be like a girl boss rom com, but um. Anyways, yeah, you've got mail. I really like this one. So I, yeah, this is this is my guilty pleasure movie. Yeah. I, I said this last week when we I announced that we were going to do this, but yeah, it is. Um, this is my favorite film uh, for in terms of a guilty pleasure, and I, I like it because it, it has all. So much? Yeah, because it puts out all of the. I think it's just a great prototype for everything that came afterwards in terms it's of true. Like, dating. I mean, AOL Instant Messenger. You sort of have that Web 1.0 feel to it. But I mean, that still exists today. There's still DMs. There are people that will have well, alternate lives. This is the lives. chat room days. Yeah. yeah, it's the chat room days, right? But I mean, everything that I see in You've Got Mail has only been intensified. amplified, intensified, and is ubiquitous in respects to dating. Because I mean, you know, can you fall online? Like they, they talk about everything. Can you fall in love with someone that you've met online? They talk about cyber sex. They talk but about the fantasy of it as well. They talk about the fantasy. Yeah, they talk about the fantasy yeah. of it. They also talk about how people will live a double life on the internet. And I mean, I live a double life on the internet. More people know me as this obscure 19th century painting of a, of a frog based off Clemens von Metternich than they do my actual face and name in the real world. Yeah. To me, I'm okay with that, but it's also a bizarre thing to comprehend that you and I have a combined following count both on Twitter and YouTube that is like, what, 12 times, 15 times, 20 times the number of, of Dunbar's number. And, yeah. and in this, right, you know, this is their own private getaway. I mean, it, it's adulterous. They are cheating on their respective people that they're with because they're... It's emotional adultery. Yeah. And, and in turn, they engage in this, like, escapism from their own drama, you know. Um, and they talk about that, you know. They, they they make it a rule. Remember, no personal things, but eventually they get into it, you know. Yeah. Business troubles, but they use it as a way. Like, they wait for their boyfriend or girlfriend to leave, and they sneak on their, like, 526-kilobyte RAM laptop with a, <laughs> you know, internet <laughs> connection, making sure that no one gets on the phone, and they do all that stuff, and... Yeah, I there's mean, still people that do like Gorian role playing, like text based stuff. Yeah, surprisingly, and so like all of it in this film that exists is out there, and I mean, in a world where there are celebrities because of the internet, not because of what they do in the real world, 
you know, like who cares about the real life when you're famous online or yeah. or now the inverse of it, you know, real like who sucks, cares man. that I, that I own this business of Fox books, who cares that I own, you know, Barnes and Noble, right? Like the girl on the internet is giving me what I need. And yeah. Jeff so, Bezos probably has a, an all. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Be- yeah. Jeff Bezos definitely has an alt on Twitter where he's DMing slutty e-girls like, you know, like who, hmm. who wouldn't, you know, if I, if you were Jeff Bezos and he had that kind of money and things like that. And so, yeah, I, I I like this movie because I think it also highlights. I also like Tom Hanks's character in this. Like I like his commentary. I love his little rant about Starbucks. That Starbucks was made for people who are perfectly incapable of making decisions, but they are empowered <laughs> by their coffee, op, you know, their coffee options to feel empowered yeah. as if they've made a meaningful decision in the morning to get their their day started. You know, half calf cappuccino you know he's just like naming shit but it's just perfect for mocha grande uh, yeah things like that and i mean the, the coffee shop is the ultimate you know i wonder how much of 1990s television and movies sigh out people into thinking that the coffee shops were good yeah uh, because like friends cafe nervosa or whatever it was from uh frazier and then this you know it's just all all that stuff flat whites and pre-selected option number three which is always weird if you were to go into a Starbucks today because it's just like, I, I want a black cup of coffee and that's always a weird thing to ask for in a place like that. But it's made that way. Yeah. I've only been to Starbucks, I think, like two or three times in my life because I just refused to support them. But then it was pretty good, though, I gotta admit. Better than Timmy's. Um, but anything's better than Timmy's. Are no, I shouldn't say that Timmy's is alright. What? Are you referring to Tim Hortons? Or is yeah, Tim Hortons. Hortons. Okay. Okay. So we call it Timmy's. I I'm not Canadian. Oh, I see. I forget. See, it's so common parlance that. Yeah. Have you ever had Tim Hortons? No, I have not. Well, man. I have not been to Canada. You're um, not missing out on much to tell you. Or or much of, uh, (laughs) or much of New England either. I've been to New York once and that was for a wedding outside of Albany. Well, I, I, yeah, I went to, uh, I I went to Dunkin' Donuts in, in Niagara Falls, New York. Like I went a few times and every time I went, it's been amazing. I think like I I'm so upset that we don't have Dunkin' Donuts here because like if I went if there was a Dunkin' Donuts like relatively close to me I'd I'd go to there instead of Timmy's like maybe because they put more sugar and everything in America but it was I don't know Timmy's is nothing to write home about their sandwiches are good um I hate how they changed the egg to like a more of a McDonald's style breakfast egg instead of like what they had which was like an omelet style mm. fucking hate that that's terrible that's total corporate homogenization. Um, now because they're more than just donuts. Um, <laughs> I love bourgeois coffee shops; they're my guilty pleasure. Um, I mean, yeah, bourgeois coffee shops are all right. You know, I mean, the people there's that a, frequent yeah, there and suffer. There's a uh, there's a local guy where I live, and I won't um, not to reveal any th- details, but he owns a small coffee chain. He's got three or four stores in the area and they're really nice. They're very hipster, and yeah. I like being in them. Except every time that I'm in one. And I have a book and I'm going to spend a day off or whatever. Um, I always feel like I don't belong there because like this yeah. is such a hipster place. And here I am. Only they sitting... knew. Yeah, right. Like, oh, I'll be sitting in there and I'll be reading something that would definitely get me in trouble if a certain shit lib started asking questions like, why am I reading Joseph DeMeister in a coffee shop that's filled with like college aged hipsters? And I'm thinking to myself. And then I think about that little bit from Avenue Q about going back to college. And it's like, these kids are so much younger than me. And it's like, oh, you know, like I'm just going to stay home with my French press and, and, and drink my coffee outside and go fishing or something because I don't want to to do it but um you should <laughs> the proof check in the corner of a coffee shop 
Yeah, uh, you need to make that edit. You need to get Cinny to make that edit. So well, I I have plenty you, of people that make the you, fruit jacks for me. I can. Oh man, <laughs> you need to like go in there one day when it's busy, when like a college kids in between periods and like read Francis Parker Yaki's. Oh, I, I, I it's got the sun copy. right in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, I don't have that one. I have the Imperium copy from. Um, where did I buy this from? Although it does have a son and rat in the book. Um, I have one with the son and rat in the cover. I can't believe I bought that. Oh yeah, I have the I have Holy the Invic- crap. I have the Invictus books copy, which has the son and rat in the <laughs> in the copyright section in the front page. And I um, sold that to. I should read. I should. I should do that to fuck with people. I should be yeah. reading uh, Imperium in front of. Uh... Although it was bad because they they have a movie called Imperium, which I think is the one where. Um, yeah. With. Daniel Radcliffe. With Daniel Radcliffe. Like, they didn't talking. even have Imperium in the book stand. I know, and I, I, yeah. I popped off and I made that comment to my mother and my father who were watching the film. And I was just like, oh, I said, this will be an interesting movie. And she's like, why? And I said, well, Imperium is a book written by Francis Parkeriaki, who's kind of like a very far right kind of character. And I'm probably like digging my own grave as I say this because I own a copy of it. And I bought a copy for a friend. And I'm like, mm. oh, man, one of these days, if my folks ever see my bookshelf, you know, I'm I have yet to read I'm it. Fucked. Like, maybe we should review something of it. I don't know. Oh, uh, that it, get us it, demonetized? It, it, it's Spangler Light. Yeah, yeah, but it's is it more racist than Spangler? Mm, no no a uh, form form and actuality is uh has a, a tasteful racism in the way it describes various civilizations there was that one that spurgler acolyte was reviewing on twitter space i think it's recorded so you could find it where it's like one of the essays where spangler is like explicitly racist um mm. oh what's mm. it called man i forget I think you could still find it in Spurker Accolades account because it's like it's recorded. Space. Put Das Capital next to it. No, I do actually have. No, the Communist Manifesto is actually right next to my copy of Imperium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it yeah. all works out. You got to put the nice fashy text next to the commie text. I think my, my copy of Imperium sits atop uh, The Origins of Totalitarianism by Hannah Arendt. So. Oh, see, it all works out. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, yeah, it's true. And underneath it is, um, I think on top of that's like a like the Ray Brazier book, Nylon Bound. I did. I own a yeah. copy of that book. I wanted to review it for the longest time, and I went out of my way and I bought a used copy for one hundred and seventy six dollars and cents plus twelve eighty five shipping. So I think I paid exactly like two hundred dollars to get it. And then like I read it, I thought it was interesting, and then like a year later, Pete and Jonas is reviewing the damn book, and I was like, I got to get on. And so my I did a, a section with PQ on on that. Yeah, um, on that but race yeah. four in high school. Yeah, by Harold Saltzman. That could be written in like 2023, and it'd be like just nothing's like, changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. If anything, it's only gotten worse. Well, you you you're aware of it more because of TikTok and Twitter. Yeah, because everyone's reposting the videos obvious. of magics. Uh, yeah, magic, magic Americans. Magical things happen in those schools. Well, you were like one of the only white kids in your school. Was, like, uh, yes, I was. Um, my friend, my friend, uh, my friend Caleb, who used to go by Hero Alchemy, he was like one of the only white kids in California, and it was mostly like Vietnamese and like. But Hispanic it was kids. it wasn't so bad because, um, I mean, the school I went to had a pretty good security system, and like it was always easy to know who would be starting the fights because it was just like. Oh, the Paisanos have decided to do a little dance, take their shirt off, and try and beat the shit out of each other, and it'd be broken <laughs> up very quickly. And everyone kind of got along with their business. Yeah. Was there any stabbings? 
No, not at my school. There was at another one, and then like there was a bomb threat all the time at another one. I'm trying very hard not. I to had a bomb myself. threat at my school, but it was nothing. We had to stay in the church across the the parking lot the whole day. Mm. Yeah, but anyways, so you've got mail, early internet, um, forum, late culture, 1990s, late 1990s. Um, I think like it's edging you towards. Like they hate each other, but they have a strange attraction to each other. He's like a corporate asshole. She's like the mom and pop, the underdog. Yeah, you know, yeah, fighting, like the authenticity. fighting against the man. And I wonder if that's a great way to weaponize. Because what also happened in the 1990s was the you know anti WTO protests in yeah, Seattle. Exactly. And it's just like, oh, we got to make the corporate big guy happened a few years after look this lovable. Film. Yeah, it happened a few years after. What? Well, no, when this film come out? Uh, ninety eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Happened last next the year after, so it I happened feel, in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was one of like the nineties was the last time I feel that like okay, apart from the early two thousands, where media could like truly influence people's thinking. Like you know those stories you have where people would watch in their like in their cubicles, they would have like corporate meetings where they watch the film Office Space. And then, like, actually, um, they, like, people would quit after watching the film. It's sort of like, I feel like media still had, like, there was still this relationship between people and media that was still solid as opposed to nowadays where a lot of this is largely on the internet and a lot of this is largely decentralized, right? So um, it's, it's funny that, like, You've Got Mail was like a really big film when it came out, if I recall. And it was yeah, sort of like... it was. Yeah, it was one of the first times where Hollywood had a storyline that was explicitly tied to the internet. It was one of the first ones, if I recall. Um, yeah, I mean, for a budget of $65 million, made $250 million at the box office. Yeah. Um, you know, and the film's original website remained live until at least May 10th, 2018. Huh, Whoa. interesting. Uh, the website has been proven to be fodder for criticism of web design in uh, the 1990s. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that, but you know, mm, good to know. Interesting. Um, it debuted number one at the North American box office, earning $18.4 million over its opening weekend. Ultimately grossed $115 million from the domestic market, $135 million from other markets for $250 million worldwide total. That kills me, you know? Like, uh, number one as an opening at the box office. Movies never make that nowadays, man. Well, I mean whatever you know and i feel bad because like movie theaters have been so utterly um sodomized by covid mm-hmm. that they have to um more or less do you know they have to you have to rely on these like giant big budget um hollywood monstrosities hollywood films. monstrosities like the mc marvel and shit in order yeah. to like make a living it's awful yeah they have to rely on the slop, you know, like yeah. visual slop. And so it's just like, you know, um, I, I, although in June it'll be fun because, you know, we can do uh, two tickets to Barbie alongside two tickets to Oppenheimer and see what it goes from there. Ooh, yeah, Barbie's coming out. <laughs> That's two tickets. To, it's like four, four tickets to Barbie. It's like the Sopranos. <laughs> I don't know. The Zoomers had a good point when they did all that, like, um, minions shit they all went to like they all went in suits and stuff i don't know for some reason i find that endearing um, yeah they're not the zoomers are screwed in their own ways but i think that they can have a good time in their own in their own respects i think they they have to find a way to laugh as rome burns yeah i feel 
They're not you, playing. They're not playing yeah. the fiddle, but they should at least dance to the tune. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you've got mail. I think it's still endearing. Like you were saying, a lot of these themes are still pertinent. But um, yeah, I feel like it's we a live solid in we film. live in a post. You've got mail age. Exactly. But everything in that movie still exists. The thing that kills me about this film, as well as the last one, Sleepless in Seattle. Again, the breakups. Yeah. You know, there there's no consequences from it. It's just like oh, I never loved you. And you don't okay, love me. I never loved okay, you. Uh, well, yeah. bye. And it's just like, really? Like, y- you lived with this person. You don't think about the the second order consequences of like your friends. You got to get shit out of the apartment. Who's yeah, where he like Ooh. just literally takes his typewriter. Yeah, he just like takes his typewriter and goes. Wh- which is such a proto hipster thing, by the way. It's like, yeah, the typewriter thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, a vex. I said the soprano, not the Sopranos movie. I said that the the meme of like when people were doing like four tickets to Barbie or like, like meaning like all these serious, like Norwooding millennials that love Ryan Gosling. that think they're Ryan Gosling. They're going to watch Barbie because it's like Ryan Gosling. So no, but the Sopranos movie, I, I hate it. It was terrible. It was, I was so disappointed, but uh, what did I expect from, from Netflix or HBO? Sorry, HBO. Um, but anyways, yeah. So um, you've got mail. Yeah. The, also, like the the environment of New York was still like fun, and like it felt local, and it felt like there was, you know what I mean, like it, the farmers market. I don't yeah. know. New York is not. Is New York still like that? I mean, it's, you can't. Like, I, okay. I'm not. I'm not from. Uh, I have not been to New York. I City. feel like you can't judge New York by pe- by New Yorkers because New Yorkers are always going to say, "Yeah, we're a big community." Yeah. Um. It's like. No, it's like there's some really great racists in New York City, and that's about oh, it. You know? Yeah, there's a really great New York hipster hipster reactionary scene, but um, not to mention I mean, all the ethnics that you know have their own blocks that yeah, that yeah, will kill you if you walk into them. Um, one one day I'll venture into New York one day soon. Who knows? Um, who knows? But anyways, yeah, it was a good film. I liked. I liked. Uh, I never thought I would enjoy rom coms because you know it's like. When you like grow up and you're like, yeah, the way you tweeted rom-coms. last night that um I was making you suffer by watching three rom coms to review yeah this, you know, but then you own me with uh your reply no, <laughs> oof. Do we want to talk about contemporary news before super chats? What's in the news? Is there going to be a financial apocalypse in a few months, Prude? I'm I'm betting on a a, a nice recession. Me too. You know why? Here's my thesis. You talk about this with Oliver. Maybe one day I'll buy his poetry book and we'll talk on the content minded. But um, I think if there is a financial crash sooner, the less Ukrainians will die, in my opinion. Does that make sense, Prude? Mm. No, because think of it. If there is an incentive for the GAE to basically negotiate for peace uh through a financial crisis um i feel like the sooner the better well i mean war war is the health of the state so i don't know um i'd imagine uh and here's the thing like well they would double down well no but i'm just saying that like i think that they'd find a way for it to continue it's still the principal Mm. foreign policy of the usg i mean we were still true true. you know we we the great recession happened in 08 i mean we still double down on iraq and afghanistan bush or no bush yeah, you know. you're right. You're right. You're right. And so, in in my in my principal uh, opinion, it's that, and I'm not an econ expert. 
Um, this is not my main background. I would recommend watching Radlib and Black Horse and people with banking backgrounds actually talk about these things. But to me, it really does seem like we're, um, that they won't stop even if there is a recession. But this is also a long time coming from a lot of, a shit ton of spending in 2020 and onward. And now we've spent billions, hundreds of billions. We've spent more money now in Ukraine than we've spent through the entire war in Afghanistan. And like the economic consequences of that will come to roost because that's crazy. Actually, if you look at the the workforce participation rate, and then you divide it by sexes, it's the lowest it has ever been for men since they started keeping that financial data. So things are, you know, I'm I'm kind of counting on one because if it means that property, you know, like if this all happens and recession goes to shit, one day, um, one day I could own land. Yeah, true. That's what true. I'm hoping for. This is the internet prude. You can be anything. Well, I don't want to be anything in respects to saying, talking out of my ass and being wrong. Um, as I've said, multiple streams and on other Substack posts, I keep the verse of James three in my head all the time when I'm on here. Cause if I'm going to teach or offer an opinion or influence people on anything, I will be judged harshly for that uh, or more strictly. So um, I try not I hope- to talk out of my ass when I do that. I hope our friend Apex has more time soon. I hope so too. I I, I pray for him all the time because yeah. he goes through so much shit working in a New York City hedge fund. Well, he's an actual expert in this stuff. So yeah, he's like a risk analyst or something. Yeah, yeah. He basically tells what he tells rich people what to invest in and what not to invest in. So he probably knows more. He he predicted actually that in six months we're fucked. So you know, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I trust him more than most people so uh, no but i feel like yeah i mean it's actually insane that they probably spent more on ukraine than they have on iraq and afghanistan that's like i can't comprehend that how does that even work no but like how does how can even like well i guess when you talk about the the amount of troops as opposed to like well we talked about this um sam batch and i sort of talked about this because he had done some great graphs and 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 um and things like this in regards to the geopolitics of even like 1910. Man. And what is the UK concerned about in maintaining the height of its empire as well? You really don't want like a Germanic Russian relationship yeah. to have happened. And now yeah, exactly. it's just like, well, why do we, are we so interested in um, Eastern Europe? Why are we so interested in sort of disrupting economic ties and pipelines between Russia and Germany? Well, that's an economic powerhouse that could disrupt the balance of power. And so who knows? Yeah. No, that's exactly. I feel like uh, the geopolitical situation of 1910 is not all that different from the geopolitical situation of ni- 2023. We just have nuclear weapons and <laughs> oh sanctions. my god, and more. Yeah, and drones. That's man. That's crazy. Actually, how history like rhymes like that. You know, but no. But I feel like the Germans are probably getting like secretly in the most private of thoughts. They probably do feel that a lot of it is to prevent them from getting along with the Russians. They probably like Schultz probably knows this, especially about the, they, they know what happened with the pipeline. Come on. They don't happen with Nord Stream. They're not stupid. Not, I mean, well, actually, yes, the, the German leadership is stupid, but they're not completely like, they're not that stupid. You know what I mean? They yeah. probably know what's happening and uh, it's not good. So anyways, what are their oh, uh, spice girl seasoning, sneezing girl? Who cares? Uh, Honestly, I find I find it bizarre that for all this talk of longhouses, gynolatry, and mm-hmm. female-centric safetyism that Loma's outlined in First Things, the moment something like that happens, it is um, 
basement your, girl. Let me let, let me throw down my coat and my cloak over this puddle for her to tread on. It's like something Default said in our show with uh, Helena. She's like, that's the problem with you right wingers. As soon as you see a girl that like shouts you out a little bit, you say you pull your pants down and you say, come suck. I remember she's, she was so angry too. It was hilarious. Uh, I think I had to paywall that when she said that, but um, no, there's it's not, true. there's not a lie there though. No, there's all. no lie. No. Every time like a, a like a, a fledgling mid woman says something mildly based, the E right just like pull it like yeah. Student accounts will pull their pants down. They come suck right now. So yeah. Yeah, it's um, called you know, it's called a job for a reason, sweetheart. You know, like that's what they do. This and is why I've tried to stop simping, because I realize how embarrassing it is. Everyone pray signal. for this man. He needs it. Keep it up, Gio. Exactly. No, I've been good so far. Good, I mean good, good, good. Even though I may be mentally liking every Renault Falk girl. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. The, did you see the one that Billy posted today? The one where he's like, she's on the cusp of gross and the cusp of attractive. Like the, the woman with the huge tits and the camel toe. Did you see that I one? I did not see that one. And oh, okay man. With, I, I know that I I'm I like, Billy, what are you doing chat, to me? But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's just not, not good. I feel like you have to, okay, simping should be reserved for a higher romantic ideal. But like the vulgar simping of like this girl is like saying mildly based things and we're going to lionize her even though i think she is like a shit lib or whatever and you know i mean it's it's like the geo scotty thing it's like just get over it like don't do this whole like tongue-in-cheek comedy act of like roman tell boy like it's it's embarrassing like just eh. I don't know. I don't, it's just. It's I couldn't imagine you saying this six or seven months ago either. I know, right? No, because you know why? Because there's certain coal accounts. There's certain, you know, cadre of coal accounts that do this thing. It's just like, uh, you know what I mean? It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know, that one, the one particular coal account accusing me of being a simp to, never mind, never mind. Not, well. Going old drama. Well. But, yeah, okay. I You're know. improving. I, I will I leave it. I will leave it at that. You are improving. Yeah. Um, it's I, I just ignore it. Like a lot of like debate stuff, like when Billy posts like fellas, I just I, I ignore it nowadays. I ignore it. But people pull me in though. People pull me in. I like it when Billy talks about anything other than fellas and then yeah. w- woman that either 85% of men would say no to or 85% of men would say yes to. Yeah. It's exactly. a great formula and I, I love Billy for it. No, but. I love when he. I love when he fella posts, but I know I have to abstain from commenting on it. So, um, yeah, I heard Z, ZP. I saw that, that apparently the Blackhawks, they, uh, they decided to remain cool and they're not going to wear the, uh, the Pride alphabet jerseys. people's jersey. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, which is good, man, because like, I think like it's better optics when the Blackhawks do it because they are like an original team. Like I believe they are the original six. So, um, uh, as I was, why'd you have to ask that? Why? Well, we we why? talked about this last episode. I, what I is cool. thought so. This is the funny thing. I always thought it was just a more racist way of saying cringe, and then I've learned that there's a whole terminology. Whole, yeah, it. terminology behind it. Yeah. Remember, so, the coal heats up the gems, though. The coal so heats up. Shitty the takes gems. allow for good takes to exist. Exactly. Um, but but most things like the the problem is the algorithm is is basically 
being weaponized by Elon to be coal. Like the algorithm is mid-maxing. So all you're seeing now is nothing but endless coal. Like there was this tweet today where it was um, Twitter turned 17 years old today. And they said, what is your favorite tweet? Oh, it's getting, it's getting old enough now for libertarians to stop being interested. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The the age has left the clock now. So there you go. Um, Oh, I had said to the, yeah, I saw that Twitter thing and I said, they're mostly lost because they keep banning all the good people. Yeah. Some of my favorite tweets were from Martin's first account. Yeah. 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 There's (laughs) exactly. Um, I do want to do a forgotten martyr gimmick, Martin gimmick account because I have forgotten Martin Cosmos. Yeah. I have so many of his bangers saved. That's like the guy that does the forgotten Nemitz. Like the guy screen caps before Nemitz deletes them. (laughs) So. Um, I, you know what's There's funny? Some I knew in there. There are some bangers in there. There are a lot of bangers. Like, I, Nemitz, I feel Nemitz like... deletes too many tweets in the same way Martin deletes too many. Why well, delete a lot of tweets? Because I just, I, I just fear that the, an irony bro is going to like screen. But yes, him. no, I agree, Mister Pichuli. Twitter is experiencing an algorithm ratification. Because yeah. I, I really can't stand the for you, uh, the for you page, because that feels so TikTokish. Like I don't want to see is. shit from seventeen hours ago that got twenty eight million views or whatever. Like I don't care. I do care more about um, what my friends are saying. And like the, it was so good. It was either home or recent tweets. And you always, yeah. you know, defaulted to recent tweets. So you could keep yeah. up with what everyone was saying. And now it's just it's fucked. It's all fucked. You see, you see tweets of people that blocked you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like even Pariah like unfollowed me and she still saw my tweet about uh, anime and, and Christianity. So like, by the way, Never mind. I'm not gonna. This is not the two minutes of prior hate hour, but you know. But anyways, the point being is that, um, you know what? You know what I don't like is that Elon he incentivizes you to go to the for you though, because mm. you know what he does. You can't see the most the the live ongoing Twitter spaces in the uh. What's the second one besides for you? What's it called? Um, uh, you have for you and following, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't see Twitter spaces on following. You have to switch to For You to do it. So, by the way, every time I see For You, I think of the Stain song For You. Mm. Yeah, so. No, but so Elon, he does this little, like this one little trick to incentivize you to look at the call that is For You by saying that you, by so when you switch, when there's Twitter spaces live, switch to following, you can't see the Twitter spaces. You have to go to the for you. It's just, it's what a bastard. <laughs> like it's what a clever bastard. He just incentivized you to look at the call, you know? So yeah. Satan blocked you Vex. That's pretty good. I hate that account is such speaking of call, speaking of Reddit call, the Satan account is just like nonstop. Like just I didn't know there was a theology. Satan account unless you meant the church of Satan. Oh, there's the Church of Satan, then there's also the Satan account, which just posts like nonstop bad theology coal. Oh, well, like, I try my best to stay away from most people's theological takes um, for that purpose. The only exposure I have from the Satan account is the, um, oh, what's the account that follows us? The non-Christians and neo-pagans posting all's account. I, I follow that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I miss, I, I will admit this honestly, I loved this account. I miss sayings of the online elders. Because that would just take and screenshot the the batshit crazy Christian takes 
Yeah. Um, and some of them were interesting. Some of them made me laugh. Some of them were just like god awful. But I liked that account because it was. You know who like, ran that account? I, no, I don't. Who did? Gravantis. Really? Yeah. He follows me. Is, yeah, I Gravantis love his account. stuff. I didn't know that that was his account. He's an old hat man. I, yeah. I was friends with him for a long time. Yeah, back yeah. in the follow the rules days. He and I have had some uh, DMs back and forth. I I want to have him on one of these days. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't believe it's it was his account. Yeah. Well, now I'm gonna just DM him and straight up ask because that was one of my favorite. Uh, that's one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I hope, uh, night owls, I hope they have a night owls soon. Hmm. See what happens. Uh, shall we head to the super chats? Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the Digital Archipelago is sponsored by viewers like you who make exactly. this show possible for all sorts of crazy takes, animation, and Lord knows what else is going to happen, and the 36 and now many more episodes to come. With your ongoing support, both Geo and I can continue to do what we do and provide you the quality content, education, and interesting things going on both in the world space and the digital. So we start off with today's super chat from Mr. Felix Fairmont for $5 US saying, Womb Enjoyer is the next great Twitter natalist handle. Oh, super boy. behind on episodes, but keep it going, chaps. Well, Felix, Thank you, we're Felix. very thankful. That is a great uh, Womb Enjoyer would be a really <laughs> good pro natalist uh, Twitter handle. And if you don't want to give uh, Raja Mohan 30% of your dollar dues, um, there is the entropy link that is the pinned comment. That way you don't have to uh, support the ongoing um, Brahmin, uh, you know, replacement. Um, you know, we've swapped out a different class of. <laughs> yeah. Um, do Mr. you have entropy Mr. Super or no? I do. I do have entropy ones okay. yeah. that I use um, for people who don't want to do it. But the next one, uh, let me go scroll down as we go through these. No, um, I mean, do you have, for this episode, do you have entropy? like? Yeah, entropy streaming, and it's the pinned comment in the chat right now. No, I mean, did you get any for this? Oh one? no, no, no! I'm no, not yet. That's why I was letting okay. people know it exists. Because yeah. um, we still have, we, have, we have plenty to go through um, on All here. Right. Yeah, I usually do them first, but I just went with what's available. Uh, Bartholomew the Red for two seventy nine Canadian dollars. A short on cash at the moment, but I'll still send some support. Well, Bartholomew the Red, we are greatly appreciative of for it. You are usually here every episode, and we yeah. thank you for your continued uh, presence. You are the viewer who steps up, and we love you for it. I can't believe I, I can't believe I, I didn't equate his thing with uh, uh what, what's his handle on Twitter Canadian traditionalist something like that yeah yeah I can't believe I didn't know it was him for the longest time uh, I hate that <laughs> with Templar for one dollar ninety nine US says casual human sacrifice in my rom com what a bastard one ninety nine like come on with Templar no I'm kidding I'm kidding. He's been one of our better better supporters. True. I think it's okay. I hope when he becomes an architect one day, before if he doesn't get canceled, then he'll probably up the price a little bit. Yeah. He'll up the buy-in. <laughs> the lonely traditionalist. There you go. I yeah. can't believe... Yeah, exactly. Bartholomew the Red. Yeah. You know, the fact that he studies architecture reminds me of that... Um... Uh, I, I will admit my full cringe for my love of the Decemberists and their music, but yeah, mm. here I dreamt I was an architect. I like that song. Band Architect is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Spiral Architect is a great band. They only have one album though, but it was back in like this is like classic uh, Tech Death Kino is Spiral mm-hmm. Architect. So, well, speaking of movies that have I guess outlived their Kinoness, but um, Internet Friend for three dollars Canadian says this stream is so fetch. Thank you, Internet Friend. Even though he's been sniping me, I can't believe Internet Friend did not like the ZHP episode. I mean, because the vocoder. Mm. 
I kind of wish that ZHP would just use his real voice, but I mean, it, there's there's a charm. Well, we don't want to reveal Scott life. Alexander's voice. Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to reveal that Scott Alexander. So yeah, we we can't we can't voice doc Slate Star Codex. By the way, I've just been informed by my friend Matthew that apparently ZHP has addressed the fucking. <laughs> he shouldn't do that though. No. I, I feel yeah, like he I, I just. I don't know. Don't, yeah, don't. I wouldn't give awful people um, time of day. Uh, Luth Emplar again for 199 says, I could design a Nixon AI for you to interview. Oh, there you I, go. Yeah. Digital uh, necromancy. I don't know how I feel. You ask about, about the Cold War. Not a fan. Um, you ask him what Gorbachev was like in real life. <laughs> Probably was. Was he an asshole, though? I feel like I feel like people thought Gorbachev was an asshole. I'm not sure. Because I know, like, in, they portrayed him that way. Well, he in, died uh, just recently. Yeah, he died recently. But I mean, I mean that the, the Gorbachev of like the seventies is probably different. Yeah. than, you know, was Gorbachev on the scene? He was on the scene in the seventies in, in the Soviet Union, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. For the life but, that he lived, yes, he was on the. Scene but they weren't like priming him for leadership the way they did in like the eighties. I wonder hmm. though that history. You probably have to ask someone who's more knowledgeable. Of, probably Thomas Seven Seven probably knows some about that. Yeah. Yeah. He would know. I mean, he's been doing Cold War stuff with Peak and Jonas. He probably has a lot to say on, on the court. I mean, he, he met the man. Yeah. I mean, I, exactly. that was a Kino picture. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was um, a Kino picture. But Seasider for $10 US says, $10? Do I love you? Sure, 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 sure. That would be um, the, for that our be... for our, our our sleepless in Seattle sleepless in DMs remake sleepless in DMs you've got DMs you've got DMs yeah <laughs> so yeah sleepless yeah no be sleepless in Silicon Valley <laughs> sleepless in San Francisco sleepless yeah sleepless, sleepless in San Fran <laughs> Khalifa says we're living in the Cold War now <laughs> yeah it's mm, true we're living in so the Cold true War. so true um both because you know. We've got Cole from our our Twitter friends, but Cole from our you know e you know e ecosystem e eco warrior um, e essential yeah eco yeah e eco Cole everywhere you know it's a cool cider for five dollars says blue velvet is a rom com well that's a bit of a stretch ah uh, it's a bit it of kind of like. Can we, are we gonna have a David Lynch episode one of these days? We should have David Lynch. Episode. We should have. We love yeah. David Lynch. There you go. Yeah. So th- I haven't yeah, watched Steve Snyder. Of- we will have we will have a David Lynch episode cover yeah. that question one day. I haven't watched all of Twin Peaks though. I should watch. Oh, you need to. All of Twin you Peaks. need to. I need someone to to bitch about Twin Peaks. Well, I don't want to bitch about it. I love Twin Peaks to death. I maybe I'll get my friend Dubs if I watch all of Twin Peaks. He's yeah, we, a big yeah I want Peaks I want head. a paneled show for Twin Peaks. I I love that show to death. Follow B Dubs on Twitter. Anyways, shout out. Yeah, there you go uh scrolling 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 we're scrolling ah uh, from our good friend post nut clarity 22 dollars canadian i love this mr peanut goes to wild <laughs> post nut clarity. <laughs> clarity um just catching up on the stream geo looking like a handsome final boss musketeer thank you there you go except with a fez yeah i should i should have like can you imagine me a musketeer half <laughs> french musketeer Oh um, my god. Joshua BB. You know what's I would... my... oh, go ahead. I was gonna say my favorite my old, one of my old man's favorite um Trios of Horror episodes was the 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 sign one. And like his favorite scene was when the Mr. Peanut like took the bus and opened it up like a peanut and like swallowed the people. <laughs> oh my <laughs> that was funny. Uh, anyways, Joshua Bibby for four ninety nine. 
And he says, would like to hear a stream about the change from the 80s masculine icon to the 90s Leo DiCaprio types. Mm. This was bad. Titanic sunk Western civilization. Yeah, things have been downhill since 1912. But um, I wonder if we could get like Rodig Nationalist on to talk about that. We could do that. I mean, we're we're both on a few GCs with them. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? We'll try and make it happen. Yeah, in the future. Yeah. Get David Lynch on live stream. I wonder what it costs to get David Lynch on live stream. I would love to know. I mean, Red Scare got Hool back, so it could could work. That's true. I do love how uh, Nicholas Soldo, you know, he'll count down the days until the French election as if Holovec is going to be the, the next French the president. Yeah. I no, I know, I know you meant the movie, but I'm, I was just being facetious. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I know. Uh, c- could you elaborate? No elaborate on that no no um no but like look at like look at schwarzenegger nowadays like that 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 like short video was embarrassing as fuck like it was ugh. well uh, yeah like i'm pretty it, sure like paul godfried like, was right it's a global anti-fascist crusade like that's that's the new year's year no but it's like in the one hand it's like threatening but in the other hand it's like stop being a loser and we'll accept you again it's like bro but they never will no, you never will. Like no, Fox like, Day was right, never apologize. Yeah. Church of No Salvation. Like, no, but the premise being like, your life is mis. Have you looked. Okay. If you think like a fascist, like Magoomin Graper posting his abs in a Fumo is like, he's secretly deep down, like every like anime racist and every like frog. I like to every, think like, that every anime racist is like him where he's just ripped. Yeah. And has a Fumo doll. No, but like you're you're terminally unhappy, and you're ang- like, have you seen the average leftoid, the average like millennial leftist? How what their lives are like? There's a pretty strong correlation between SSRIs and democratic yeah. voting. I mean, no, but there was this tweet that um, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. Go on. There was this tweet that uh, I know. Okay, listen, I know he doesn't like me, but I he's. I'm man enough to say that he's a great account though. Uh, Bleep Sama had that tweet that I retweeted of like how like the pandemic basically filtered a lot of like weak leftist men. Like, cause it was this thread that blew up from this like goth trans person, whatever. I forget the, the exact account. I think it was goth trans, whatever. And uh, it was like selfie before the pandemic selfie after the pandemic. And it's like transitioning and it's like, but that what Bleep Sama said, I can't see on Twitter, but yeah. 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 Because it, it alluded the, to sunsetting, but like, the, you know. The, the great, you know. The great, great COVID castration. Yeah, the, the great filter. Yeah, you know this ace that Bleep Sama doesn't like me? He griped me a few times. Oh, no, I think like Bleep Sama, he hasn't griped me recently. I feel like uh, when I face revealed, it was when Twitter was like screwing up. And so nobody saw this, but Bleep Sama like unfollowed me when he was known as like Finnish reaction, whatever. And uh, I don't know. He just hasn't like, I think he like sort of, I don't know. He, I think he like, doesn't like me less now, but like for a while I was kind of like, Oh fuck him. I hate him. But no, I, I kind of like Bleep Sama. I, I like Bleep Sama. I think Bleep Sama is a good poster. I know the Amarnets don't like him anymore because of his Christian posting, but um. I, I I can't be mad. I can't be mad. It was kind of funny when he said he he called me. He said that I looked like a Nergal, um, <laughs> an abomination. Nergal abomination. Mm. Um, 
No, but I mean, he's <laughs> and he. You know what's funny is that he like went through a stream from Fall of the Rose and he found like the absolute worst angle of me to like post. It was, it was funny though. I like Bleep Sama. I can't be mad at him. I think he doesn't. I don't know if he doesn't. He hasn't blocked me though, even though I followed him. So I wonder what he thinks. I mean, I I think he like he hates me less now. Put it that way, because I felt like. Maybe he, I, I, you know, he didn't get a rise out of me, mm. but um, I, I like Bleep Some. I think he's a good poster. Um, I know the Amarnates don't like him anymore, but uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like Bleep Sama because like he's unafraid to defend his Christian faith, uh, you know, given the audience that he cultivated. So I feel like that's an honorable, even though he probably isn't like Catholics. I feel that he's still like uh. That's pretty pretty honorable trait, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look I at agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, look at Vingal. He called me an abomination, but he thinks he's not a great guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> it was like that clip of um, I saw recently it was a it was a radio interview. It was Taidomi, where what happened was back in I believe it was ninety seven. They were playing uh no it was two thousand two. They were playing against the Flyers in the playoffs, and so this guy. Um, he was in the penalty box for fighting, um, was it Karen, I think he fought. And so this guy like leaned over the penalty box because Taidomi like sprayed him with the water. And he he crashed through the glass in the penalty box and then he started fighting Taidomi. So the guy like, the guy like decided to like sue everybody. He sued Taidomi. He sued the NHL. He sued the Forum, which is the famous... Um, Flyers uh, Stadium, right? And so, so Tidomi's like, yeah, I know he sued everybody. He was a good guy, you know. He he brought him to a game. He he dropped the lawsuit. It cost me a hundred grand, but you know, he was a good guy. You know, <laughs> so Tidomi's like, you know, I fought this guy. He sued me, but he was a good guy. So you know, bleep Sama, he like great me, but he was a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. So there you go. Well, we do have one more. This one is on. Oh, um, shit. We have no super chat. I'm taking we, up way too much time, man. I'm sorry. You're good. You have to defend your uh, love for certain posters. Um, but Owen Zaleski, our, our friend who had been asking about uh, art and. Owen Zelensky? Uh, Zaleski. Zaleski. You know, but he says yeah. for US uh, $20. Thank you so much, Owen. I $20? He says, hi, guys. Joining Prude on the side of the theater. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I'm not the only heterosexual that gives a shit about the theater. Yeah. Um, my students' play went well last weekend, and I am proud of them. I'd like to know if Substack is a good is good for independent web comics, an online place that would be great to post my art. Would also pay for a Patreon sub if Geo did a series on teaching art without being cringe. God bless. Uh, oh, wow. There you go. Well, I don't know if Substack's like the best place for web comics and some people like do that. it yeah some, some do people. yeah i mean i think twitter is a better place for people to put comics out i mean i think about owen cyclops or uh stone toss and countless others owen has a patreon where he's successful at it yeah and he's got yeah that's true he does um yeah but i mean if you've got your own he's art instagram too I'd, I'd recommend really more image-based platforms so yeah instagram twitter things like that i mean subs Excuse me, like Substack is great if you're going to talk about like the creative process. I mean, it's a blogging platform first and foremost. Yes, yeah. you can do podcasts and videos and other things like that, but I mean, it, it rewards blocking uh, more than anything. Yeah. But by the way, I, I I'm looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. I just got a twenty dollar super thanks from Post Not Clarity. 
So thank you, Postnut Clarity. I, I would feel like a total asshole if I just didn't look at my phone before the stream ended. So thank <laughs> well, you, Postnut Clarity. I'm glad Clarity. that uh, that happened. Yeah, those super thanks options are great. So as you know, all this help and support during premieres. But I mean, oh, and I would recommend, again, um, Twitter and Instagram, really the more visual-based yeah. social media platforms. If you're going to use Substack, write and have it linked there to your writing, but also use it as a backup for all the things that you do. Yeah, I do um, that. That's yeah. what we do uh, for our, our episodes of stuff. Should we go on Rumble? Are you on Rumble? Proof? I have my Rumble auto um, synced to YouTube since they, I think they I'm do, that do that now. Yeah. yeah, so Rumble, Odyssey, uh, I'm on there as well. I, I've, I've been lagging on Odyssey. I got to upload stuff on Odyssey. Yeah, I need to I need to upload a few missing episodes and things like that. Um, Substack also is where I do um, put all audio episodes for this out unless we have to put the videos yeah. uh for visual stuff so people can see it but yeah i mean i would go with those two things and um you know it's entirely up to geo if he wants to do an art teaching thing on patreon maybe i could do that yeah i have to discuss it with matthew but matthew's busy right now because he's doing this gallery thing that's in june or july so um well that could probably do something but uh, default asks whatever you have time can you discuss the destruction period dramas romantic and romance by updating it for modern audiences the brighton series was oh the bridgerton thing uh, i don't know what how, is this bridgerton I, thing? it's like an eight it's like a 19th century period drama but it's with it's not white oh is it the one i saw with netflix where they're doing the queen that is like yeah black? it's like that um no this is a new thing i saw today that, that, yeah that's something else but it's yeah uh, Default, I don't know how far we could do that without just being utter, without, I guess, rehashing alt-right 1.0 talking points. Yeah. <laughs> Devin, I feel like, like, I feel Devin, like Devin Stack, Stack has been, you know, I'd be, we'd be shitting on Devin Stack's entire career. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it sounds awful. No, but I saw this new Netflix series where it's the Queen, was it Queen Elizabeth? No. Not Queen Elizabeth. Something like that. Like it, an older one, you know, that, that is black. Like it's all black people. I'm not joking. And the and the queen, king is obviously white. And, and it's all about like the, it's got like a lot of girl boss. Like I, I sat, like his Indian Bronson tweeted about it. So I sat through like the whole minute trailer of oh, this Lord. new Netflix series. It was Queen Charlotte or George's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Queen Charlotte. Okay, yeah. I mean, one, Devin Stack has done this way better than I think Gio and I ever could in terms of breaking down that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then two, like, what would that just be other than rehashing talking points that sort of this space has said for the last, like, 20 years? Yeah. So, you know, I I just... (laughs) Are his videos better than his live streams? Really? That's what, that's what, uh, I did it, Reedy did. No, I said... Yeah. Is that just Donald Trump? Ga- is that Donald Trump gaming? Or no, couldn't tell you. Donald Trump gaming is not here today. I didn't know. I know. I feel uh, weird when I can easily recognize. Um. <laughs> so apparently, the gallery that um, that that Matthew's arranging with uh, well, that's great. A bunch of people. It's going to be a feature Philip Dano's music. Of course, every uh, every Jenner Productions features new Philip Daniel music. And uh, of course, my title song for um, content mind features Philip Daniel. That's oh, Philip Daniel's composition. That. So, so, yeah, that's great, man. Um, go subscribe to his Patreon at Philip Daniel. I fuck, fucking forgot to subscribe to his Patreon. Damn, uh, I have to do it. Well, you've said but, it live on air now. You got to go do it. 
No, I'm gonna go do it. I'm just been Donald Trump Gaming it. has been arrested and executed. Source the military. Oh, you know, <laughs> I for one am a fan. Do you think he's gonna get arrested? Raw news. Yeah, I, uh, news. I don't know if he'll get arrested or not. I they want that mugshot. They want it so bad. They Is want. Is it true he'd be the only president that'd be arrested? Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh my be. god. But you know, there's uh, been presidents who've had their head blown off in office. Two of them. Wait, maybe three. We've had plenty of presidents assassinated and shot at, but I don't think we've ever had one. McKinley, just in jail. Kennedy. Oh God, Lincoln. who else? Oh yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln. I like to think that he wasn't the president, but that's just my own personal gripe. James Garfield. Garfield was assassinated. Yes, he was. How he was assassinated? Why? Um, why I don't know. What was McKinley assassinated? Oh, he wasn't. F- he he died be, uh, because of infection, but I mean he yeah. was shot. Well, there's uh, plenty of presidents have been shot. Yeah, and he was shot by some like Teddy Reagan, some, some Frenchy. Yeah. Why well, was McKinley? Why was McKinley assassinated? Oh, well, I guess that would um, depend uh, on who you ask why he was assassinated. Oh, but shit. I mean, um, he was killed by an anarchist. Nothing, nothing sexy like this is ha- happens with uh, Canadian prime ministers. Do you guys get assassinated up there? Like the Canadian? Well, no, prime our prime ministers get drunk and just disappear for a few for a week or two, and then lame. Yeah, I think I believe uh, McDonald disappeared for like a few days, or was it Champlain? I forget. I think it was McDonald. He disappeared, but he was like on a drunken bin- binge, you know. Well, I'm all for for you know benders and ragers but you know if you're gonna go out right like you need to go out like a really you gotta go out in style yeah i mean yeah none of our prime ministers there's no zapruder film footage right of some canadian pm getting off so you know (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah there isn't there is at least shinzo abe's assassin at least had the courtesy to give us some footage for it you know what's funny that's not the first time a, a japanese head of state's been assassinated come on Mm, that's true that's, that's so true you know? <laughs> uh joshua bb for 4.99 i take my kids to the theater i was going to take them to see anastasia but the actress playing uh the russian princess wouldn't pass for russian well then yeah don't don't take them um, yeah the royal family deserves better than that a caucasoid or better yeah or even like ukrainian implying Just someone that difference. looks someone that looks eastern european should be playing yeah. um applying there's a difference (laughs) they should be yeah they should be playing Um, yeah it's got to be caucasoid or better yeah we need a canadian pm version of the hangover well trudeau wasn't he like partying in that one like he was in his pajamas singing in a piano lord only knows that's pretty lame though canadians get eaten by wendigos and blizzards yeah well that could be I think there's a horror movie like that. We haven't had a uh, a prime minister taken that way, but or do we? The world will never know. See, this is why if the Canadians wanted like better national PR, what they should be doing is like they need movies like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh God! And but instead, it's like Samuel you know, D. Champlain Vampire Hunter, <laughs> or Wendigo Hunter, something like that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He hunts Wendigo with a native uh, with an indigenous guy. Yeah, yeah. That could be. That could work. See, there you go. Canadian horror film. Like the CBC could produce that. You know what was so pissed off before we go? Um, one of the only like recent CBC shows I watched in recent years was this one about um this like native vampire hunter mm. or something like that. 
It was a really good show, but like, you know why they canceled the show after one why? season it was supposed to get a second season because the director was exposed as not actually being that much indigenous. She was only like a third indigenous instead of like half indigenous. So oh. they like canceled her for it for like appropriation. Many so CBC people. like took away this like really high grossing show that actually made the money, you know? So oh, well. it was a Kino show, but uh, yeah, man, it, nobody watches CBC. It's all garbage. You know what they have? They have, um, they have a show about an Indian trans person. Oh. I mean, I mean a subcontinental Indian trans person. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the, it, it was just as bad in the U S you have, I am jazz. Yeah. No, this is worse. This is the, every CBC show is like girl bosses. But you know what isn't worse? Little Mosque on the Prairie. No, what, what isn't I was, worse? Uh, what isn't worse is uh, Geo telling the wonderful audience what he's got coming next week and thereafter. So by all means, oh, yeah. what do you have to promote? Um, next week I have chapter three of uh, Art After Metaphysics, which will be about uh, Byers and uh, who else? I think your heart rich there. And uh, maybe Anselm Kiefer. I'll see. But anyways, it's covering John David Hubert's book, Hour after, after Metaphysics, Chapter 3. And of course, next week is the long three-hour. Well, of course, it'll be two hours on for free. Uh, the three-hour Morgoth, finally on content-minded. And uh, I believe, Prude, are you still there? Oh, you had to go to the washroom. So if anyone wants to ask me any questions before Prude uh, comes back, so yeah, next week it's gonna be Morgoth. Pretty good. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I am Jazz the Lynchian Horus here. <laughs> yeah, Bartho see Bartholomew, it's true. There was plenty of maritime kino from the 70s. Um, I still like you know, it's funny because um the National Film Board still produces some good kino, some good documentaries, even though a lot of it is kind of like leftoid and like you know, about like here's this trans indigenous person. So, um, which detergent do you wash your chicken with? Dawn, of course. Dawn is the only option. So, um, don't do that. Don't do that. I can't believe this. I can't believe... See, like, that's the problem with the... the, Like, I I feel like simping produces so much coal, like, around these e-girls that you're probably just, like, inflating them. And it's not, you know, it's not good. So, um, yeah, next week is Morgoth. And I'm sure Prude has his Prude Observation stream. And uh, is Bigfoot a big thing in Canada? Bigfoot is the thing in Canada. There's plenty of Bigfoot in Canada. So um, there's a lot of stories, actually, I believe in the export. There's quite a few Canadians that go to the export that talk about um, Bigfoot and so forth. There you go. Yeah, so Morgoth next week is based as fuck. And it's going to be great. And someone asked, uh, what do you wash your chicken? Do you use Dawn? I use Dawn to wash my chicken. Uh, so. You know, I am I guess it's because I lived in El Paso. I'm, I'm much more of a fan of washing my chicken with Fabuloso than anything oh else. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my, my, my later years of becoming an adult were there. You know, that's where yeah. I've learned that's the best way to wash your chicken is with Fabuloso than anything else. Fabuloso. Yeah. <laughs> golly what a fun time to what it was just a great moment where everyone could realize just um the bell curve is real kids that's yeah all i'm gonna say oh yeah and after morgoth the week after i have to do um i've had on my patreon for all my patrons 
Um, I've had my second Q and a uh, questionnaire. So I'm going to have to record another solo variety mega show after Morgoth's uh, stream. So Morgoth's show episode. Well, that's excellent news. As for the wonderful people who are subscribed to me on Subscribestar for as low as $2 a month, not only do you get an opportunity to access content early, full-length essays on Substack and the rest, but also um, ask questions for an AMA video. Uh, This weekend, I'll be recording um, a sort of, I do a monthly Ask Me Anything. It'll be a short video where I just... No, shit, synchronicity, eh? Yeah, (laughs) basically, yeah. Questions where my patrons ask me, and I will answer them. Um, I just put out a brand new Substack out yesterday about the not-so-emergent troll gaze talking about... um, I have to read that. Yeah, it's talking about the um, Mara Johnston's concept of the troll gaze and the implications of how we are just as much privy to wanting to be seen, but also that that can be used as a mechanism of political control. Um, that's available for all those behind the paywall on Substack. Yeah, I know it gets really, it gets interesting. I commit the right wing cardinal sin of citing Adorno and Horkheimer. Um, Yeah, I know. Maybe next week we could do articles with Dan Baltic. We could do that hipster one. We should. Or in a Um, short story. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. Um, especially in the wake of the passage prize just being announced. Oh, I got to see that, but I, I have to. There's some Twitter drama I have to keep up with with uh, yeah. Scott Alexander. So, and then this Saturday we'll be going. <laughs> we'll be almost done with the uh, the Kenan lecture series, and I'll have a playlist open for all of the Kenan work that we've done as well. Nice. Um, I should have Kruptos on to record a conversation sometime next week. We're going to talk about the issue of free speech, uh, Christianity, oh, and television. And then um, I should have a, a lengthier post up on Substack sometime, hopefully by the end of next week covering the issue of imperialism because so much of the word imperialism is still slobbered in that J.A. Hobson imperialism study that has been the forefront of all (laughs) Marxist-Leninist thinking for a hundred years. And I think it's time that we have a discussion about it. I love how uh, the E-right went from like, uh, like went from like wholesome chungus, like Shire nationalism of like Greg Johnson Mm -hmm. to like, now it's like, no, actually imperialism is based and uh, Spangler was right, and the white man deserves to, well, you know, not to say it, but I noticed, like, there is a sea change. I feel like there is people, like, we're more willing to, like, counter signal, like, which is something I sympathize with, like, but at the end of the day, we have to realize, like, that's totally unrealistic. The whole, like, everyone gets their own little nationalism, like, that's not going to happen. Um, you need you need empires. You need empires. But that's... Yeah, I mean, as a, as a guy who adheres to sort of the realist school of thought, you know, yeah. hegemony is something that nations innately seek once they've secured themselves. So well, in Europe nowadays, right? Like, that's case in point. Yeah, so I All mean... All these little ankle-biter, <laughs> like, well, Baltic states, and yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, at the end of next month, I'll be back on Semyagog's channel to talk about the situation with, like, U.S. relations to Poland and how that affects yeah. the war. So plenty of stuff to go on in the in the future, and by all means... Um, oh, I also want to try to continue with my E-Write series. I gotta write... That was a very part. good discourse. Yeah. That was oh, you good. liked that correspondence with I did. I quite enjoyed yeah, it. Nice. Um, I, I did. So, um, you know, as, as Vex Peril says, uh, you know, Adido Pru, Gio, and the non-dinner lady haunting Pipu, you know. Hmm. We, ha- we have to enjoy our, we, we love our Apustayos and Pipus of the world. Oh, yeah. Um, I have an article that I need to finish writing about Apustayos. I actually, I, I've gone a little meta, but, you know, that's what Substack is for. So support Gio down below in the links of the description. By all means, oh, support yeah. me on Subscribestar, buy me a coffee, send either of us a manual typewriter as well as your money, and we hmm. will see you all next Thursday on Gio's channel. God bless.
Goodbye to sweet. See you, gents.